Kong, he's Kong. One, Kong. He's one funky monkey. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not a junkie. <laughs> so don't get funky. But the script's kind of clunky. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Godzilla Pod War Hour. Um, my name is Michael Kelly. With us today, Nathan Bear, uh, the man amongst men, first of all, and just a great guy. And he lets us come over to his house once a month and uh, record the podcast. So it's very generous of him. Uh, thank you, Nathan. Also, uh, today, um, a friend of mine for several years now, I would say a close friend, Kara uh, Palermo. She's a scientist. She's. I don't. She's my boss now, <laughs> technically. That's true. That's true. So you know, <laughs> uh, I'm going to be careful what I say because she could fire me at any yeah, point during this awkward. podcast. <laughs> um, so yeah, we are here today to talk about a movie um, that came out in 1976, and it's known as 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 it was known as many things. At first, it was known as The Legend of King Kong, and then after a series of political, I'm sorry, legal disputes, it finally became known as just King Kong, um, and yes, it is the it is the remake of, of King Kong from 1976, Yep, I'm trying to say. Uh, and there's just so much, so much to unpack here. Um, first of all, just any, any initial thoughts, Nathan or Kara, I throw it out to you guys, because there's just, I'm still trying to wrap my head Okay. Or, um, what's happening here? Well, I started watching the film, and I was surprisingly uh, not really bored at all. Uh, at the same time, I just didn't care, because I was watching it with the calmness and the coolness, as if I was watching, you know, Tokyo Story or Boyhood. Uh, and that's the problem, because there is no, there's no tension. <laughs> and it's great if you're watching... Tokyo Story, which is a family domestic drama, and you really care about the characters, but there right. really isn't uh, there really isn't any drama in that film until the end. Right. That's like it. Uh, Boyhood, there really isn't any. You know, the drama comes and goes, and it's more like you know, oh, this is slice of life. You know, yeah. Um, that's a problem with the King Kong film because I should be on my toes the entire time, thinking, right. gee, I don't know what's going to happen next. Oh, my goodness, Jeff Bridges, get out of there. Yeah. And I wasn't at all. It was just, okay, that happened. Then that happened. And and now there's a snake. Happened. Yeah, and, now there's and, a big snake. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I agree with that, <laughs> but I really cared about Duan's evolving relationship with Kong. Oh, uh, yes. yes. <laughs> I think uh, that was the main tension yeah. of the movie. <laughs> I mean, I agree. I think... Duan's <laughs> relationship with Kong was fascinating and and weirdly sexually charged yes. in a way that could only have happened in 1976 <laughs> because movies had just started being allowed to have, you know, sex and stuff in them in like the 60s and 70s like the like the old you know, censorship codes were, were cast out or whatever. I mean, they mentioned getting... deep throat. In yeah, they mentioned deep throat in this movie. Like, the movie Deep Throat plays a crit is a critical plot point <laughs> yeah. in this movie. So that just, and it's a children's film. 
Is it? But it was made by Dino De Laurentiis, so that factors into it as in, well. In Italy, every child watches a deep throat. Uh, that was racist. <laughs> so I'm going to distance myself from that uh, right now. Uh, so, you know, everyone <laughs> like, aim your comments towards Nathan Bear and not at Mike Kelly for that. Uh, but, yes, crazy, uh, insane sex stuff going on in this movie, insane levels of racism, uh, as is, you know, the, the, it's going to be the case with any remake of King Kong, unfortunately, even the Peter Jackson one. It's it's impossible to tell this specific story yeah. to any sort of modern audience and not have it be like, oh, yeah, that's racist as fuck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rightly so, too, because yeah. it's like... That, that's uh, yeah, the yeah. story. <laughs> but like we'll we'll get into that. Let's let's set things up a, a little bit. Um well, I think we have to start with Jaws. Well, okay, before Jaws, there was the thing that really got this movie kicking into high gear uh was The Towering Inferno, oh. which is a uh, another John uh Gillerman movie. And that, I mean, Okay, so, like, the Poseidon Adventure was sort of, like, the first big disaster movie that was, like, a hit. And people were like, oh, well, what's this new thing and this this new concept of getting all these big-name stars in this thing and having them get killed off in some big disaster or whatever. But the Towering Inferno is what, like, crystallized it as, like, okay, this is the new model of, like, big, like, movies or whatever. And so that was 1974-ish. And Dino De Laurentiis, uh, who is... I mean, we could do like a six-part series just on Dino De Laurentiis, and unfortunately, we try to—we're going to have to kind of get all of that out in this episode and next month's episode, King Kong Lives. Yeah. Uh, but like, needless to say, Dino De Laurentiis is a complete legendary producer. I mean, his career spans—he did Three Days of the Condor, Serpico. First of all, he's a legend in Italy. Yeah. Before he even comes to America, he yeah. was like doing the biggest movies with the biggest people, and like, you know. And then he was like, "I'm tired of this. I'm coming to America." And he, you know, the series of films he did in that took place in New York in the early '70s was really sort of responsible for shaping that kind of gritty, realistic, pre-cleaning up Times Square vision of New York that we have. That was a lot of stuff he did, so like Serpico and things like that. He he was in on the ground floor, and he made some really like good movies. And he was very versatile. You know, he he, he produces this King Kong, which is a monster film. All right, but he also produced Waterloo, the Sergei Bundarkov epic. And he was... made fucking Maximum Overdrive. Yeah. And Army of Darkness. Yes. <laughs> so, like, he's all over the La place. And La Strada. Yeah. <laughs> so this guy's, like, my hero, basically. Uh, and, like, he, he uses only, like, uh, whenever possible, he likes to use as many Italian crew members and people that he worked with in Italy, like... In, in key positions. Mm -hmm. So that was cool. He kept it loyal and he, he worked with the team that he knew and they all had a shorthand. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was Dino's decision to make King Kong. There's conflicting reports about like, precisely why he wanted to make King Kong. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the early 70s, Kong was still a very viable brand. There was the uh, ABC cartoon show, King Kong, of which mm -hmm. King Kong Escapes was based on and that was still sort of popular. There was a Volkswagen commercial with, like, an animated, like, stop-motion King Kong. So it was, like, it was still in the consciousness. Like, Kong books and masks and things and toys were and, like, model kits were still selling and selling well. 
So there was still that sort of demand there. And once you get something like uh, something like the Towering Inferno, and King Kong was big enough, they were like, let's do this, let's do like a disaster movie, except let's have a creature at the center of it. And, and <clears throat> you know, we can't ignore the, the gorilla in the room here, and that is Godzilla, because, mm -hmm. like, you know, I've done a lot of research on the making of King Kong 76, and when you get down to it, I mean, in a way, it's definitely a kaiju movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is a dude in a suit. Yeah. Blowing up, like, miniature cities, you know? And that's, like, and I, you know, in all my research, like, the word Godzilla didn't come up once, but I have to believe they were, like, because this, when this movie was being made, it was, like, you had Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla coming out, and then 75, Terror of Mechagodzilla, like, the last of the Showa series was winding down. And I just, I have to believe there was some sort of, at some point, they were, mm -hmm. like, looking at what was going on in Japan and be like, well, we can do better than these assholes or whatever, yeah. you know. Um, so I think that may be factored into it, too, but no one's ever said it. It was going to be, we can do it better and cheaper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as much money as we can save. Um, yeah, I bet they had Jeff Bridges grow his own beard for that film. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was actually a couple of uh, rival Kong... Uh, productions trying to get started in in 1975 one from universal and one from uh paramount i mean it was dino de Laurentiis he made a deal with paramount he, i mean de Laurentiis secured the rights from rko first and he wanted to make his kong movie and and then universal uh because he gave rko a better deal but De Laurentiis, you know, he, he basically, Universal had almost made a deal with RKO. And so mm. they sued the shit out of him. And they went so far as to make their own rival production of King Kong based off of the 1933 novelization of Kong. Oh. Which they said since the rights to that specific book had not been renewed, they had lapsed into public domain, that they could just make King Kong and call it, like, the legend of King Kong or, or whatever or... The Legend Reborn or something. Like, they changed the title a little bit and say, oh, we're, we can make this fine or whatever. And that was all in deliberation. So what I'm trying to say is there was this amazing story full of tension <laughs> uh, before this movie got made of, like, well, which one of these two rival companies, Universal or Paramount, which is who De Laurentiis sided with, like, who's going to make the movie first? Who's going to start shooting first? And so De Laurentiis, he hired John Gillerman, and, you know, they cast everyone. He, he was going to, he uh, was in, you know, negotiations to hire Cher at one point for the part of Duan. That fell through. He saw Meryl Streep, uh, and he said that she was too ugly to, <laughs> to his son. It, but he said that in Italian to, to his son, and he didn't think Meryl Streep spoke Italian, but she did. Because she's oh. perfect. Because she's perfect. <laughs> and uh, somehow Meryl Streep was nominated for an Academy Award for her screen test on King Kong. We're not sure how the details <laughs> of that worked out. But no, Meryl Streep was crushed. But I think she recovered quite nicely from yeah. not getting this part. But like By not being in the film. Uh. <laughs> yeah. The point is, like, you know, it, it, like, they just barely, they started filming in 1976, like, January, like the first week of January. They started filming the stuff on the boat. Mm -hmm. And they did that so that they could win this lawsuit by saying, look, see, we're the ones filming first. 
we're we're starting production on this before Universal, so ours is the real movie. Mm-hmm. So you have to let us make it, and that's how it worked. They won <laughs> because they and like they shut down production after that for like three months because they had to like build the rest of the fucking sets. You know, <laughs> but like that's De Laurent, That's the De Laurentiis difference. Okay, <laughs> the D difference. The D difference. Um, so yeah, nineteen seventy six. Yeah. A good time. Yeah. So, um, apparently, and I heard this via Kevin Smith's podcast, so I don't know what source he cited, but supposedly Laurentis's idea with King Kong was to be um, the opposite of Jaws, or uh, I guess what's a better phrase to say, is to, um, instead of where Jaws is, you want Jaws to die. You want the shark to explode, and you're right. so relieved at the end that yeah. Jaws has exploded, you know, you cheer. Whereas with King Kong, it was supposed to counter that by having you cry yeah. at the end. Yes. So, um, which makes sense, in a way, from a you know, business perspective, yes. you know. I, I must say I came very close to tearing up when they kill Kong at the end, because his death seems so drawn out. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and just really. so unnecessarily violent. Unlike the <laughs> original King Kong, where it's like a triumph, he's like going down in style. Right. Like, with this one fight. is just a slaughter. Yeah. It's just yeah. like... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, that, that was... Uh, the overall tone of, of this one is... You know, to pick up on what you were saying earlier about, like, there was no tension. It, it, this movie's weird. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's weird in that, like, it's a remake of an adventure movie. And the only parts that actually feature adventure are the parts where they absolutely needed to include, include those scenes yeah. to progress the story. So, like, the log scene. Yeah, that's like an adventure scene where like some of the guys get killed and there's like oh, it's but exciting. even then their deaths seem so blasé. Like weird, yeah. And you it's really... like there's no consequence. You almost don't even feel their deaths. Yeah, you know. Whereas in the '33 version, which was cut for censorship reasons, you really feel those deaths. So you understand the fact that this is a dangerous situation. You know, people are yeah. getting hurt. In this, it's just oh, they they floated to the the matte painting <laughs> underneath. <laughs> they floated magically. You know, pity. they all have the same death as the bad guy at the end of North by Northwest. <laughs> well, I feel like because in this one, maybe the framing of having it be the oil company is you feel like everyone's a little bit evil in this. And so when they die, it's like, I guess well. <laughs> I agree with that point. I do feel that like there was a certain level of like. The crew members in the original King Kong, they were just signing up to make a documentary. And so when they get killed, and more of them die, like, yeah. like by a, a, mm-hmm. a factor of two in the original King Kong. Mm-hmm. Like like 12 people get killed, of, of personally, of Denim's crew. Um, and this one, it's only like six guys that actually die on the island. So it's mm-hmm. much safer. Largely due, in part, to the fact that there's no really dinosaurs other than that snake yeah. and Kong. And there's no, it doesn't just have the, it doesn't have the atmosphere. Yeah. It's like, it's not badly shot. You know, it's beautiful it's to beautiful. look at. The, the, the cinematography is amazing. Yeah. Like, a lot of the shit in this movie is top notch. Like, yeah. the score by John Barry. And I think he wisely, he analyzed what Max Steiner did. And he was like, I can't 
do that, do that again, you know? Yeah. So, like, I'm going to do the exact opposite, and instead of all specific action beat stuff, it's all going to be, like, well, like this emotional yeah. stuff yeah, and, and arching really stuff. Yeah. yeah. The score is, is great. The cinematography is great. The performances are great. Yeah. Um, it's just, it feels like they were trying to make Ozu's King Kong uh, <laughs> instead yeah. of King it, Kong 76. It, weirdly, it feels like it's somehow, like apologetic for all the super impossible shit from the original King Kong. And it's like, in the same way that Man of Steel is sort of a slog to watch because they wanted to make it as realistic as possible. Yeah. They wanted to make a fantasy movie as realistic as possible. And therefore they had to really kind of, kind of tamper out the fantasy elements of it. Mm. So, and I agree, like, like Skull Island is supposed to be this lush, crazy, impossible jungle and in this movie, the 76 one, it's like this sort of hellish purgatory. There, You don't really see any other animals. You don't even really hear, like, any birds or anything. Yeah. And, like, this always feels, like, oddly, like, quiet. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, there's a lot of that in this movie where it just, it really does feel like they're just on a soundstage. Yeah. And in, in, in that and a little bit towards the end as well, where it's like, where is everyone? Where is everything? And... You know, that that was not the case in the 33 version at all. No, the 33 version was very dense, uh, and rightly so, because it added just the right amount of atmosphere uh, for us to fall into this fantasy. Um, With this, you know, yeah, it did in many moments just feel like they're on the soundstage, because there was nothing to, like, both the plot and the setting itself just couldn't distract you from that fact. Right. Whereas in King Kong, there's always something happening that's not only moving the plot forward, but is engaging the audience. Um, it is uh, a man in a suit. It's Rick Baker, who is a you know, special effects genius and went on to make many, not only just great makeup suits, but many more monkey suits. Like he did the stuff for Congo. He did some stuff for Gorillas in the Mist. And that's, you know, at this time when this was made, he had a reputation that that was just his hobby, was making gorilla suits, like, in his spare time. So, like, and he was already, he had, you know, he'd been working under the tutelage of Dick Smith. So, it was really, it's interesting to me, and hopefully we can get into this a little bit later in citing specific scenes in the movie, where Mm -hmm. um, the De Laurentiis loved this guy, Carlo Rimbaldi who was a, like, a puppeteer, mastermind dude in Italy, and, like, done a lot of special effects work with the De Laurentiis before. And he cast him to, like, make sort of a large mock-up to make the arm that's holding on to, to Dwan in a lot of the mm-hmm. scenes and make the foot and do things like that. And that was the initial plan. And the initial plan was just, like, we're going to have the suit. The suit's going to do most of the stuff, and then we'll have, like, an arm or a foot or whatever. And then, halfway through, like... You know, they were when they were formulating. That's when Jaws came out, mm-hmm. and the story got out about Bruce the shark, about how it was this mechanical shark that could do all these things. And that's when Ribaldi said, "Like, all right, Dino, I'm going to build a giant, forty foot tall King Kong robot, and he's going to do everything in the script." And everyone around Carlo was like, "This is impossible and insane," but Dino was just like. Do it! It's great! I have 100% faith in you that this insane, possibly terrifyingly dangerous thing that you're promising that you could make will work, you know? 
And as a, at that point, Rick Baker and like the monkey suit thing became like a backup deal. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, he just Rivaldi could not deliver, and the backup plan of Rick Baker's monkey suit ended up being pretty much everything you see of Kong in the movie, except mm-hmm. for the stuff with the hand and the foot, and just like a couple of scenes at the end. Oh yeah. Uh- um, but anyways, um, the movie cost twenty four million dollars to make. Ended up making $80 million, um, was very successful. Um, De Laurentiis ended up selling the movie distribution rights to ABC for like $19 million to show it twice, uh, which was like the most money that had ever been, you know, given to someone uh, for for movie rights, for for television distribution rights. So it was like, it was really successful, okay? They, they, They did a wonderful job. At uh, making money off of the Kong brand. Um, But yeah, they, uh, I don't know, it's an interesting movie looking back on it now, definitely. Um, We've got Jeff Bridges. I want to talk about, like, Bridges' physicality in this movie, because I feel like he's in insanely good shape. Some of the shit he does. Well, I mean, he's playing, like, the sailor. Wait, well, is uh, he a sailor? journalist? I'm a little confused at this point. He <laughs> I think he's stu- went to medical yeah. school and then switched to zoology, but he can like climb ropes and he knows stuff about how to build walls and so forth. Well, he's an adventurer, <laughs> I think, because the fact is is that he had been wanting to go for, to this island for a while, and that's like his whole scheme. And I'm sure if somebody, I guess, realistically, if someone really wanted to go to that island, they would probably want to be in the best shape possible to deal oh. with whatever could be on that island. Yes. I mean, the scenes when he's, like, sneaking onto the ship in the beginning with the hand over hand and then just, like, hoisting himself up with his feet or whatever. Mm -hmm. That shit was crazy. And then it was was like I was watching shit from Ninja Warrior or something. (laughs) And there's another scene where he comes up to the big wall, which is, like, 50 or 60 feet tall, and he just has a 60-foot vertical climb just with his hands. Yeah. And it's really him because they keep flashing back to him and, like... He, he like I think Jeff Bridges personally felt the strain <laughs> of like you are going to be in King Kong, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to be the Jack Driscoll character, and he plays a guy named Jack Jack Prescott, who's actually uh, he's a anthropologist who specializes in primate like stuff. Primate paleontology. Primate paleontology. Yeah. Thank you, Kara. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and uh, yes. And he gives it 150% from the acting standpoint, too, as well as the physical, like, commitment to the adventuring standpoint. So, nice work, Jeff Bridges. Also, Charles Groton. Yeah, he was great. I felt like Jeff Bridges had the same haircut as Jessica Lange. Yes. <laughs> that was a little confusing. That's why they fell in love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they could share hair care products. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> Um, Charles Grodin plays the, uh, Carl Denham stand-in Fred Wilson in this movie, and it's sort of an interesting take on it. He's not quite, I mean, he's definitely evil, I guess. I, I, I just, like, you can feel, like, the pressure's put on to, like, find oil on this island. Yeah. And, like, that's sort of driving this, him into a state of frenzy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I don't think he's like like insanely reckless in the same way that Carl Denham was 
Yeah. But things sort of degenerate on the island, so he kind of gets that way. But, like, I don't... I he's feel, just, I like, feel dumb. oddly bad for yeah. him. Yeah. He's, he's like a bad employee. Yeah, yeah he's, he's like just a, like... Yeah. He's just like, well, he was put to do this impossible task of following this island. I mean, who really at a couple of company meeting says, all right, we need you to go to this island that uh, nobody has been on before, and yeah. we need you to find all that beautiful, you know, pure crud uh, that well, we can pump into people's cars. he promised them that based yeah. on a fog cloud. Yeah. Yeah. That not only is there definitely <laughs> land there, yeah. but there's definitely oil on that land. Yeah. Because <laughs> of, like, the... I guess he says, like, the the fog is created because of, like, a vapor yeah. that has come from, yeah. like, natural right. petroleum or whatever. Right. That, and that's, you know, that's one of the reasons it could be coming up. And yeah. Jeff Bridges interrupts his speech and said, like, it could also be animal respiration. Yeah. Uh, the two animals on that. The two animals. <laughs> the two animals. The two giant on that animals. That apparently have never met. Yeah. <laughs> until <laughs> this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Well, this happens, we haven't even gotten here yet, but I was going to say, I feel like that's really glossed over. Like, does no one wonder, are there more giant animals on that? Well, I mean, that's perfect Yeah, for... we, they were there for one day, they saw two giant animals, and they left. I mean, I, I'm just saying, this is going to be perfect if they somehow need to work this movie into the upcoming... King Kong versus Godzilla film by what Legendary Pictures? It is because all they have to do is pull a Gorgo and then have some guy come in halfway through the film and say, uh, "We have a problem. Remember that uh, giant ape that came to New York in 1976? Well, that's actually the child." Well, <laughs> I like I like where your head's at as always, Nathan. Uh, that since we're, we're taking it there, I do want to say that just sort of the side note, the, the information that I've been able to find out about Kong of Skull Island is that it's going to be taking place in the mid seventies. Oh, so maybe, I don't know, like if they're going to be referencing this movie, I expect they will. I mean, they're going to have to make lots of references so that way people understand that it's the 70s. So yeah. people will be dancing to disco. They'll be watching Deep Throat. <laughs> <laughs> all those very 70s things that all everyone was doing. Um, I do want to just briefly mention the fact that, like, the Italian guys, they wanted uh, black actors to play Kong initially for just completely racist reasons. They said black actors were normally, like, very muscular, uh-huh. and uh, they wouldn't need padding underneath the suit. They could just wear the suit without padding, and they actually hired Albert Popwell, from who's in every um, Dirty Harry movie. I actually don't think he's in Sudden Impact, but he's or, Wait, um, the, the last one, Mag. The- um, what is Deadpool? Deadpool's the last Dirty Harry movie. He's not in De- Deadpool, but he's in every Dirty Harry. He's the guy that Dirty Harry says, "Do you feel lucky, punk?" Yeah, and eventually he turns into like Harry's like buddy throughout the movies yeah. or whatever. Isn't he's he his a- partner in uh, uh, not Mag Magnum Force? It, he, in Magnum Force, he's a pimp. Oh, that gets killed at the yeah. beginning. Um, and then he's an informant in uh the third one <laughs> and then in sudden impact he's uh he's dirty harry's like friend okay or whatever but like yeah i mean this is a real actor he's done like yeah. a lot of shit and like so having him be a suit actor first of all because he was black is obviously insanely racist yeah. but like he did it like he he came and like he did the like suit tests or whatever 
And they and like he just didn't look good because he was totally exhausted. First of all, you were like blind mm-hmm. uh, doing this stuff. You had you couldn't see anything. You're wearing the contact lenses. They made the suit out of like ten bear hides that were stitched together and not well. So they had to take like this spray paint, like that stuff you see on infomercials, this like spray paint your bald spot on the back <laughs> head. They had to do that to all the seams on the suit between every take and like. Including, like, directly spraying into the person's face. So, like, it's like you got that plus studio lights pouring down on you. So, like, he, I mean, he was up to it, but they still fired him because he didn't look right. So, Rick Baker just did it. And Rick Baker was losing, like, five pounds of sweat every day. So, this is almost parallel to the making of the original Godzilla. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I will still say that the guy in the original Godzilla suit had it worse. Yeah. Um, cause he was using, he was losing 15 pounds of water weight every day. <laughs> this is only five, but still that's not healthy, <laughs> you know? Uh, so anyways, wanted to get that out of the way cause it's so insane. Yeah. Does anyone else have anything to say about the making of the movie that they found in their research era? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. The American merchant vessel Petrox Explorer has just set sail from the port of Surabaya in search of oil. What they find will shock the world. We may be sailing into the history books. She's alive! You know, maybe my luck has changed. They will discover an uncharted island that is the home the most incredible creature on the face of the earth. A creature called Khan. Dino De Laurentiis presents the most exciting original motion picture event of all time. Fantastic adventure. Over the gate! King Kong. King Kong. Unlike anything you've ever experienced before. With Jeff Bridges, Charles Groton, and introducing Jessica Lange as the beauty who charmed the beast. And starring the eighth wonder of the world, King Kong. talked about other oil people going to the island because yes. they think there's oil there for I don't know not much reason <laughs> for very, plot very thin reason because the script told them to do <laughs> yeah um 
And there's Fred Wilson, who's the oil guy, and then Roy, who's the scientist, who is probably one of my favorite people, actually, in the movie. He's from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he looks exactly the same. He's aged well. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably the smartest person in the movie. He stays on the beach well, the whole yeah, time. Yeah, he goes a little insane <laughs> as time goes on. But. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, they show Jeff Bridges sneaking onto the ship in the beginning of the movie, and he gives like this guard, it looks like, Five thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean it's it's an enormous. He probably could have just slipped that guy a twenty. Yeah, you know, but it is a thick, bold, you know, billfold. Yeah, he lost a lot of money on this. Um, And not only that, when the guard lets him through, the guard walks off as if it's like I don't have to work for the next calendar year. Right. (laughs) We don't even know if that guard worked there. He (laughs) he could have worked at the other shipyard. He was at a cigarette break for the gate. (laughs) And he's just like, yes, crazy American who looks like a water buffalo because of your beard. I will take $5,000 from you for no reason. Try not to get killed when you're doing your uh, ninja warrior bit to get onto the uh, ship. So, yeah, Jeff Bridges sneaks aboard the ship. He sneaks aboard, but then he does all this stuff to sneak on and then just interrupts their, like, PowerPoint presentation they're having. Yeah. Yeah, like... I, I was thinking, like, are they far enough out where they can't just throw him out right. of the ship? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's so, like they look out the window. We're still, we're still the dock. I All mean, right, just leave. He's he's not on the attendance. You know, they could have just thrown him off the ship. Yeah, no, I would have known. I'm not sure what the naval laws are, but I'm pretty sure they could have killed him. Yeah, I mean, they're and in, this is an oil company. It's out in the middle of the ocean, Surabaya, Indonesia. Yeah, yeah. So I don't like. I'm pretty sure they could have just killed him if they wanted to. But Fred Wilson, he seems. This is Charles Grodin, you know, and he seems like he, he's he's mad. But and he, if at first he thinks that you know Jeff Bridges is a spy from Exxon Mobil or whatever, but like he doesn't like you know send him off on like a a ship or what or like raft, a, a raft yeah. or whatever. He's like he keeps him on the ship and he's like. He's not too upset. He sees that Jeff Bridges has, like, a camera and stuff. And he's like, okay, you can, like, take pictures of the expedition. And, like, he forgives him pretty easily. I feel like they're going to take him away and hold him somewhere. And then he's like, hey, there's a chick out in the water. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I think, well... And then that gets forgotten about, the fact that he was a stowaway. Well, it gets forgotten because he had a medical background. And all the sailors (laughs) on the ship are perverts. Yeah. Uh, So... Uh, I, I guess, you know, his one, like, good trait is the fact that he's like, okay, I'm gonna have the doctor examine this girl instead of you guys with your bent-up, lustful animal urges. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's, uh, there's, there's a... It's like, it's very creepy. It's, yeah, it's, un- well, there's a lot of uncomfortable things yeah. with her character. Well, well, first of all, they find, it's, it's in the middle of the day, and, and Charles Grodin orders, um... Jeff Bridges below deck, and he spots this life raft out, uh, like, multiple miles away, and they change course, and they intercept it, and it's Jessica Lange in this raft wearing a soaking wet, like, (laughs) see-through dress from, like, Beverly Hills. They inspect, like, the tags on it in a very sort of rapey way. Oh, "Oh, we have to see where she shops. I don't know how Uh, that is pertinent to her medical condition. It's like, throw her over the side. She's white trash. Um, I shop at Target every week, <laughs> uh, by the way. 
Uh, anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, that and like Jack O'Halloran. It's like that's when this 1976 part comes into it because Jack O'Halloran, aka Non, from uh, Superman Two, one of the Kryptonian criminals, um, is like, oh, I have to give her vigorous chest massage, mouth to mouth resuscitation. I was trained as a medic or whatever, and they're like, oh. Yeah, in prison. Yeah, in prison. And they're just like, oh, you, or whatever. And like, they almost let him do it, and they're like, well, maybe we should wait to, yeah. to rape her, you know, like 15 minutes. Make sure she's still alive first, you know, or whatever. Ugh. And, and yeah, that's when uh, Jeff Bridges is, like, his, his, his medical training kind of comes in handy. Yeah, he, he does something, and she wakes up. Yeah, yeah. And she... Smelling salts. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Salts. And is then... this her first movie? Yes. She is gorgeous. She is super hot, and her legs are, like, incredible. And I feel like her legs and hips really informed the costume design process on this movie. Yeah. And, because uh, that's, there, you've seen a lot of leg. And she, I will say that, like, the, the character of Dwan is weirdly fascinating to me. Yeah. Like, all the choices she makes are just so offbeat. First of all, they tell her that, like, okay, Dwan was on a ship. Because they do, they do kind of cut to this earlier in the movie. They, they showed, like, there was a mayday call. Yeah. And they see a guy, like, getting a mayday call, but he dismisses it. I think he forgets about it or something. Maybe he writes it down. Well, it was in the middle of a storm. Okay, yeah. And I think they were off, like, it they were was... off course. Yeah. And, and that's not technically their job. That's, like, yeah. the, you know, the Indonesian the Navy yeah. or whatever. So, like, basically all of... Jessica Lang, whose character's name is Dwan, W, or sorry, D-W-A-N, which she purposely changed from Dawn because she wanted it to be memorable. And everyone just accepts that and calls yeah, her Dwan. Yeah, and everyone just calls her Dwan and, like, is screaming Dwan when she gets in trouble. Yeah. And it's just, like, it's so funny. Um, but, like, they tell her straight up, it's like, you're... Whoever, your producer slash your lover, and I'm assuming at least some... Not maybe all of your closest friends, but certainly people you knew who were on this boat. It's it's unclear what the the level of the maybe maybe it was all of her closest friends. They're all dead. Like yeah. the ship exploded, and you somehow got thrown out into a life raft with a self inflating thing and a flare or something. Like the captain says it. Uh, yeah. At one point, it's just sort of a throwaway line. It's pretty. It's pretty. It, ludicrous. it should be noticed. <laughs> we didn't mention this earlier, but the guy who wrote this script, Lorenzo Semple Jr., is the same person who wrote the Batman television series and, with Adam and West. Three Days of the Condor. Yes. So he has done some good stuff. Yes. No, I, I, he has, but he, it's just about his, uh, I guess, eccentricity, yes. eccentricness. Yes. Um. Yeah. Uh, he recently passed away, but before he did, he was uh, on a internet web series called Real Geezers. If you get a chance to uh, look up any of that footage, please do, especially his review of Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> he gives so, a quick take. Yeah, he gives a quick take. And uh, no, no, what, what was his take on Avatar? Uh, he said it was like an acid trip. I can't do the Lorenzo voice because I'm, I'm tired. Um, <laughs> Okay. But yeah, he 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 uh, he. he uh, That's a pretty fair assessment. Compared it to an acid trip, so. <laughs> um, I mean, the point is, Dwan 
somehow. She takes <laughs> the death of her close friends and this guy who promised to make her a star. Admittedly, in Indonesian movies or Hong Kong or something, it sounded sort of sketch. Yeah, she realizes <laughs> yeah, Hong that Kong. at one point. She's yeah. like, yeah. I wasn't going to be in that. Yeah. Um, but she takes it very well. Like, she yes. doesn't even cry. No, she doesn't seem very upset. Uh, it sounds like a weird, abusive relationship. Yeah. And yeah. the joke comes out, the, the sick joke is the fact that the reason she was not killed is because her producer lover was watching a film with everyone else inside the ship Below the deck, yeah. that she didn't want to see. So she went on deck. The film was Deep Throat. Right. For those of you who do not know what Deep Throat is, it was basically the first blockbuster porno movie in the early 70s. The concept is the truly male fantasy of a woman who can't have an orgasm and her doctor figures out that her clitoris is in her throat. Right. So the only way she can receive satisfaction is by giving oral sex. Yes. Thank you, Nathan. You said the word oral correctly. Yes. <laughs> Um, well, we're shown in actual well, this one is theaters. And no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah this mean, was, was a popular in, film. Yeah, yeah, it was just people like... knew what this was. This was not like some. Well, I mean, it was a dirty, but it was a, it was a dirty open secret. Yeah, that you know. So like, yeah, it was, and it, it's it showed in porno theaters, but it also had some crossover potential into legitimate other theaters. So it was like again this weird time in the early seventies, and and it was so com it was such common knowledge that they could mention it. In the, in King Kong and people are like oh yeah deep throat yeah you know so like yeah um anyways I love Dawn I love Dawn too and what happens next is there's a montage <laughs> <laughs> of just like life on the boat but my favorite thing about this is Dawn looks adorable throughout this whole movie she's really well dressed very well dressed she washed off in a lifeboat with no luggage or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Very confusing, but I think she's just wearing the men's clothes, and no. she's like mending them to her. She's a great son. tailor. Though. Yes. She's a great tailor. <laughs> I do want to say that this montage, thank you for bringing it up, does include a completely gratuitous shower yes. sequence yes. for no reason. I, I like how much time do you think passed in this montage? Because I'm going to say 15 minutes to a half an hour of time is elapsed. Because uh, she's like, you know, and she's completely forgotten about life before coming yeah, out of the boat. Matter. She took a shower. She washed it away. She hung out with Jeff Bridges. <laughs> Jeff Bridges took his shirt off at one point. They were laughing. And then, yeah, it's it's been like a, an hour or so. <laughs> and now she's she's one of the crew. Yeah, she's had several outfits. She's had, hour, yeah, though. yeah. She's chased her outfit three times between vigorous showers uh and uh you know de Laurentiis like to make little additions to the script and like there's nothing a montage can't can't handle it's just great yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dwan has taken 45 minutes to shower and get over the death of her friends <laughs> and they spot skull island um i really like the fog bank and the and the way it was photographed in this movie it looks really menacing and like it looks really cool. Like yeah. I don't know how they mm -hmm. did. I guess it must have been like a map painting or something. But like it looks amazing. Yeah. Um nice nice work, John Gellerman. Uh <laughs> and uh, he was a sailor, so that makes sense that he like the nautical stuff in this movie is where he excelled. Yeah. Um 
unlike the the snake stuff. The snake uh, stuff was just like, yeah, <laughs> that's rough. <laughs> Ooh. Um. So yeah, Dwan is interesting because like she has the ability to sort of like talk her way into things. For example, they they find Skull Island and they're like, um, okay, well we're gonna send a search party party aboard and. Like, she, I forget what she says, but it's something crazy, and she's... she's just like, I've been cooped up. Yeah, I'm cooped up. Like, yeah. I'm coming aboard, or whatever. And so she decides to come aboard, and, and Charles Grodin's like, Beethoven, or whatever. Like, he's just like, he's he's too preoccupied, so he just lets her on, or whatever. And so she she comes aboard the island, even though it doesn't really make too much sense. No. <laughs> um, I wanted to say that this island was filmed in the same... Uh, island in Hawaii where uh, Jurassic Park was filmed. Which and, makes and sense. And Jurassic World. There are a lot of uh, shots that look very similar. Yes. One might even think Spielberg... In fact, no, one might have to believe that Spielberg looked at this and... Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean... Uh, in the creating of Jurassic Park. It's definitely um, possible. Um, but, yeah. So they go ashore. This island looking for oil. Yes. And... Um, and Charles Grodin has promised, you know, we, 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 we learn about what's gotten him here in this first place. And he's like, yeah, he's, we're going to find untold, you know, like the largest deposit of oil. I mean, that's what the first scene in the movie is, is like Bo, uh, who's one of the workers, and then Jack O'Halloran talking about, like, you know, we're not bringing enough piping to drill deep enough to yeah. get oil. And, and and then they see the dude from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. He was like, yeah, we're not going to have to drink, dig that deep where we're going because there's so much oil or whatever. I didn't, How would they know that? I don't, I I don't understand know. that part. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that Jeff Bridges says, too, that I was like, how how And you think that you would come that? back again? Yeah. Like, oh, we don't have enough, but it doesn't. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, this was just, it was talk. It was just talk. <laughs> it, was just, it was just talk. It's like when people say science-y stuff in any other science fiction film, it's just like, yeah, you're just talking. You're just saying stuff, so it sounds like something's happening, but That's the way science actually works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I love there's sort of a lascivious overtone, or undertone, rather, of like, Juan gets off the ship and immediately starts posing for like bikinis, like sultry yeah. bikini pics on the beach. And Jeff yeah. Bridges is like, I'm in hot heaven. Yeah. You know, just starts snapping pictures. It's like, you're supposed to be like <laughs> taking pictures of the expedition. Yeah. And you're just filling these up for your own personal crank reel. And this is before <laughs> this is before digital cameras. Right, right. You can't you like, you the film. film. Yeah, yeah. You only have like twenty shots. Yeah. And you've already taken twelve of Duan. <laughs> and then Charles Crow's like, take a picture of me getting off the boat or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's like, just like okay, you're you not have, MacArthur. You have five <laughs> pictures left. <laughs> you know, like use them wisely, gentlemen. And then Jessica Leg immediately goes into like, ooh, kidnap me mode by like running off without yeah. <laughs> any supervision on this completely uncharted island. It's like you do not know King Kong could be over there. You know, what do they got in there, King Kong? I mean, that was bad. But like, <laughs> yes, she's trying to get killed, basically. She's trying to become a hostage because she just like sprints. And she, I don't, is she wearing shoes? No, she's not wearing shoes. I know that. And, like, this is, there's, like, volcanic rock all over the place. Like, her feet would be shredded. 
But she's just like sprinting, and Maybe she gets that's like her her kick. I like, don't know. <laughs> she gets about half a mile away, and Jeff Bridges is like, "What? No!" <laughs> he like chases after her, and he has to have a talk with her, and be like, "Don't get killed, accidentally." What are you a child? Yeah, yeah. What are you a child? <laughs> Didn't you read the script? There is dangerous things right, on right. the other end of this. And, and and this like they're sort of alone at this point, and there is definitely something romantic going on with Jeff Bridges and Jessica Lang at this. point. Point, but he doesn't go in to kiss her or even make any moves like that. There's just sort of this kind of this energy between. Well, they're them. the two stallways in a sense. Right. They like don't yeah. they? They're don't they're really not know. there for the same reason everyone else is there. Right. Except that Dewan makes a comment about possibly dating Fred Wilson. Yes. Boat, which is also weird because then it's just like, nope, never mind. You and Jeff Bridges are romantic leads in this movie. You've got similar hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, Dwan, she says some things when they first bring her back with the smelling salts that, and, and, and has a sort of a general air about her where I feel as though she's having some sort of psychotic break. Well, she keeps talking about, um, uh, signs. Like, yeah. oh, you're yeah. Aries, yeah. aren't you? I can tell by your beard. Or... <laughs> I think this may also be, like, the last sort of breath of, like, the star child thing left over from, like, the 60s. Because yeah. this is only, like, you know six or seven years after that yeah so like maybe she's you know that's where she comes from that's her background or whatever yeah, and she's an actress too, well that's so i mean her name is Dwan. that was our Dwan. first clue <laughs> <laughs> so like yeah um so they the rest of the party catches up with jack and Dwan, and they walk around for a while until they find a map painting <laughs> um, the wall <laughs> clearly a map painting they should have okay. They should have got James Cameron to do this map painting. Yeah. Because if you see some of his work on Escape from New York, it's actually amazing. Yeah. Uh, James Cameron is a genius. Anyways, so yeah, they find this wall and and. Did you mean John Carpenter? Uh, well, John Carpenter's Escape from New York, where John or sorry, uh, yes, uh, James James Cameron. Cameron worked on John Carpenter's Escape from oh. New York. He was a, James Cameron was the map painter. Really? On yeah. Escape from New York. That's awesome. Like, all those amazing scenes at the beginning where it's, uh, like, the dead New York and, like, the helicopters flying across. That's all James Cameron painting. Like, oh. Yeah, like, get, like, when people want to tear James Cameron apart, say Avatar's garbage or whatever, fine. Do, go do whatever you have to do. But, like, he is legitimately a genius. Anyways, uh, like, we have proof. The proof is Escape from New York. Um, anyways... So the like they find this map painting of the giant wall from King Kong, <laughs> and uh, Jack Prescott's like, "Oh well, you, uh, first of all, uh, Fred Wilson's like, oh well, this is uh, you know this is a wreck. This is a uh, you know this is like the pyramids. This is an abandoned thing. I forget the word he uses, but it's it's like." People aren't there anymore. Like, yeah, it's it's right. in disrepair. It's, it's an ancient ruin, a, ruin. a yeah. ruin or whatever. This is a ruin, is what he says. And then Jeff Bridges, in the first of many things he says, where it would be impossible for him to know, he's like, "Oh, well, you see those thatches over there have to re- be replaced every monsoon season because I know about the monsoon season of this island, even though it's surrounded in a perpetual fog bank." And mm-hmm. I'm a zoologist. And I'm a zoologist. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hashtag science. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then Charles Grodin's like, well, okay, the wall wasn't repaired by people. 
there aren't any inhabitants on this island, and there's because there's no music. Or he says something stupid like that. Yeah, and, and, like, then, and immediately, immediately <laughs> music starts playing. It's pretty funny, actually. There's some, there are there's several some, lines in this that are like that. There, yeah, some great stuff. Most <laughs> of them like, said by Charles Grodin. Yeah, <laughs> um, near Simpsons level of lunacy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so they basically the scene from 1933 plays out almost exactly. Yeah, you know, they show the. Uh, the natives of Skull Island in their ceremonial uh, ceremony to sacrifice um, one of the women to Kong. And it's yeah. getting started, and there's a lot of pelvic thrusting involved. Yes. Yes. Um, one might say not enough pelvic thrusting involved. There's a good deal of pelvic thrusting <laughs> from, uh, I guess, the chief. Yeah. yeah. He's the guy with a Kong mask on. Yeah. Kong cosplay. The Kong cosplay, yeah. Um, he's the chief has obviously seen and loves the original 1933 <laughs> King Kong. <laughs> and uh, he was just like, I've declared from this day forward, we will all reenact that movie. Yes, right here on this island. Um, <laughs> It'll improve our GDP two <laughs> percent. So yeah, the um, they they spot, you know, Duan. And the chief demands that they hand over Duan in, in the Skull Island intellect. Listen, this yes. part of the movie is very problematic. Yes. Karen, <laughs> tell us all your thoughts. <laughs> Let it out. Let it out. Presumably they've been doing this for like hundreds of years or whatever. Right. But they're like, wait, there's a blonde woman. She's better than all our normal women. <laughs> We need her. <laughs> I have several problems with the timetables involved of what's going on here in regards to how fast it takes giant trees to regrow and how often is this happening? How often yeah. are they sacrificing girls to Kong? Is it like once every five months? Once every well, 100 years? Well, at one point years? they say something about like, oh, well, it's a full, they're going to do it because it's a full moon, which would be like once a month. How many women are in this village? Right. Very yeah. confusing. Um, yeah, yeah. It looks like but there's she, about forty people in yeah. this village. Yeah. I mean, it so, seemed like in the original King Kong, this was like maybe a once a year thing, right? And it also, that, and at that point, it would be barely sustainable with the amount of people there. Yeah. yeah, you know. Um. So yeah, the the math doesn't quite work out, but you're too busy being distracted by the horrifying amounts of racism. Yeah, you know, the depiction yeah. of these guys, but it's fine. Um. You know, <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say. I don't yeah. even know what to say. It's I, just not, like, I mean, it, feels, it, it can just like, go. The, uh, the phrase "it is what it is" doesn't really seem to co- quite cover it. Yeah. Now in 2015, it feels very awkward to watch. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. So they try to do the same. It's basically the scene plays out exactly as it does in the 1933 one. Like the chief spots them. Yeah. Tries to trade like six of his girls for Dwan. Is this what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, Dwan's worth six times one. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like... Because yeah, she's, yeah. she's the girl with the golden hair. Yeah. Yeah. You know? The the, the white savior yeah. thing. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> yikes. Yeah, and then, of course... <laughs> and then, of course, in this one, they charge, so they fire into the air to scare them off with their boomsticks. Right. Um... And then they go back to the ship, uh, and then there's a conversation where basically Jeff Bridges uh, says, you know, we, uh, or sorry, 
while they're watching the ceremony, um, they notice that there's uh, quote viscous. Liquid. Oh, I wrote it down. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's here we go. Um, seem the surface seems viscous. Yes, which I love any use of the word viscous, as people who know me <laughs> know that about me. So I was like, oh, viscous. <laughs> so I wrote that down. Yeah, like viscous, I've determined is the most disgusting word in the English language. Yeah. <laughs> so moist. <laughs> Moist doesn't quite cover the same territory as viscous. viscous. A cake can be moist. If a cake is viscous, it's probably just what came in it. Uh, anyways. So, yeah. Uh, Jeff Bridges gets, like, he goes back to the boat. They, I think they get a sample of this oil. They don't test it yet. Or, like, they, the it test only... results haven't come back. But, yeah. like, Charles Grodin radios New York and is like, I found I've the got biggest. the big one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I found the big one. There was a viscous substance. There's a viscous substance. It's probably oil. Let's just go ahead and say I found the largest natural oil deposit in the war, in the history of the world. Yeah. <laughs> and I am now the chief head of Petrox. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't need any more tubing. Yeah. We're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. <laughs> My... Guess about the tubing played out exactly correctly. <laughs> uh, fuck y'all, mic drop. <laughs> you know, stop. Uh, so he sends that back, and uh, but they don't know. They're testing the oil that they found. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the meantime, definitely looks like Jeff Bridges and Jessica Lang are preparing to have sex yeah. with one another. They have a little talk like towards the... There's like, you have the ship, and then you have like the stairwell off the side of the ship that's on like yeah. a little dock. And that is what Jessica Lang is, like, hanging out on or whatever. And Jeff uh, says he wants to, like, warn the native. He, he, he's going to leave the ship. So he's, like, raiding the kitchen uh, and right. taking all his equipment. And he's like, I'm going to be really disappointed if I find you here when I get back. Or something like that. Yeah. It, it was very unclear. Um, so he goes up. The he says, because I want you to be in your bunk waiting for me. Oh. Like yeah. so, he wants to take her in the bunk. So, <laughs> so he leaves. Uh, the natives, uh, with no tension at all, uh, just kind of waltz well, no up. no sound. No sound. I mean, they just like. waltz up, grab her. And that's like it. This has got to be the yeah. most convenient kidnapping ever. Yeah. they don't even have like, oh. on the boat. They just like, like eh, kidnapped. They were like, there are these people who want to kidnap this girl. We're not going to hide it. We're just going to have her hang out on the dock. Right. Or, alone. Or, or we're going to keep this thing accessible to the, you know. Yeah. Like, they are all set in this ship, you know. they If they just pulled the dock up and pulled up the stairwell and were just... Of course, it's a movie about a giant monkey, so anyways. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So, they, they just, you know, kidnap her, and she's like, well, I guess she got kidnapped yeah. now. That, yeah. that, yeah, well, that, they that find, happened. They find a bracelet that has fallen down on the dock, which yeah. I don't remember Dwan, like, tearing that off of anyone. Because yeah. the kidnapping, again, goes, it's almost like an abstract piece of, like, a dance yeah. or something. It's just like, uh, Yeah. Um, so, it's like, they just come and, and get her. And then that's it. But again, I think they remembered the 1933 Kong, where like that piece of jewelry had fallen on the the deck. Yeah. And Charlie finds it. Yeah. So they're like, oh, we'll just do that again, even though we just had that scene and that did not yeah. happen. But like, people will remember the original movie and yeah. like, you know, like, Dino's like, come on, we got to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they show Dwan. 
who is being heavily drugged. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think Dwan needs any more mental... <laughs> like, it just she's already pretty loopy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I felt bad. It's like, now she's going to be like... Completely off the wall, like Rick and Morty season two, insane. <laughs> okay, uh, but like, yeah, no, they're heavily drugging her with some sort of viscous compound. <laughs> we don't know what it is. No one's ever explained this whole three seashells thing to me. And maybe that was payment. Yeah, maybe they threw that on there, like, you know, here, here's some shark teeth in exchange for your woman. Uh. Yeah. Um, so, anyways. They, uh, you know, Bridges summons everybody. Bridges, like, goes back. Even though he said he wanted, he was going to go back to the room, he goes back to the dock when he finds that thing. That doesn't really make any sense. And he and he, he gets everybody. He says, Dwan's been kidnapped! And they, um, they go to the island. In the meantime, they have the, the scene, like, the ceremony yet again. And John Barry's score is very swelling. There's a lot of swelling and thrusting going on. Yes. And uh, <laughs> vigorous dancing. <laughs> in, much vigorous dancing ensues. Okay. Uh, everybody is covered in sweat. <laughs> uh, and then they open the door and they take her up to the thing. And, and uh, uh, the altar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, yeah. Uh, Kong shows up. Yeah. that That's how it <laughs> happens. Just like the kidnapping. Kong then just appears he appears and, and and it's like you know they they don't have like the 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 state of the art even though de Laurentiis poo-pooed the stop motion stuff in like interviews and stuff be like oh well that was primitive and it looked great you know it's still ex- an exciting movie to watch i guess but you know we're going to be using all the latest special effects techniques and all this yeah. shit with the stop motion animation you had that absolutely amazing first shot of kong Bending down and breaking the trees with Feyre yeah. in the foreground, and it was like, oh my god! Yeah, like, you, you could see it from like her point of view, like this giant horrifying monster, yeah. perfectly realized. And in this, it's just sort of like they have no choice yeah. but to just go in really tight yes, on Kong's on eyes. eyes, yeah, because the and those were real; those were Rick Baker's eyes with like contact lenses in. You could tell because they're like incredibly bloodshot. Because he like practically went blind <laughs> making this movie, and uh, and like yeah, like um, it's it's not as effective at, I, at all. I could say um, with the comments I've been making on the tension, we can relate this to a certain Godzilla film which we reviewed uh, previously. That is uh, Godzilla uh, versus Mechagodzilla, nineteen ninety. Was it two, three? Yes. Uh, we're ninety three. Where Rodan shows up. Yes. And Rodan just shows up. There's no build-up, no right. nothing. This has actually maybe a little more build-up. Right. But really what happens is King Kong just appears. And it's like, I'm King Kong. Yeah. And I'm going to take this one back right, to right. my lair and stuff will happen. Not since like... the reveal of Clark Kent in Superman 3 has there been such <laughs> an important character introduced in such a boring shot. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, what can you do? And again, how, like, Kong knocks down every one of these trees, and it's like, how often are they doing this? Like, yeah. do they move to a different section of the wall every time? What's going on here? But, uh, best not to think about it. It is a giant monkey. Uh, anyways, Jeff Bridges and Charles Grodin, everybody gets there right after this has happened, and they shoot all their guns and flares up there, and it's, uh, 
it's a really cool scene visually. All those flares and everyone scattering and like, you know, we're we're, we're taking a lot of pot shots here, but the, there is a lot of cool stuff in this movie, and yeah. the cinematography is is great. And and I think it was Richard Klein did the cinematography for it, and. Uh, Rick Baker has gone on record as being like the only reason this movie is what it is is because of Dick Klein. Mm. Like he was the one who shot the suit in such a way where it didn't look like a, the disaster that it was, mm. and like you know, like it was, um, yeah. And 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 this is certainly one of those scenes. Um, they go out the the door. They open this this door. Was I the only one who picked up on a slightly uh, phallic symbolism there with that yes. giant black <laughs> like thing? The way it's filmed. They, the had, it's to lubricate they had to lubricate yeah. it <laughs> to get it in and out. Yes. And then when that he comes great. back, that wasn't just like, me. I'm like, pull that's it a out. giant dildo, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then when he comes back later, they say, just pull it out halfway. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's not even subtext. That's no. like text. That is <laughs> overt That's Dino text. De Laurentiis just be like, yes, it's a sexy picture. <laughs> That's racist. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Good, you got me back. It was, you know, it was only a matter of time. I'd have to do the Italian Dino Laurentiis voice at some point. Um, it's our way to do it. <laughs> let's go! <All> right. <laughs> okay, Mario. All right, we just lost half of our uh, Italian uh, uh, listeners. I'm sorry, okay. Uh, I have problems. Anyway, so, like, uh, they they go out there, and they find a tree's knocked over, one of many trees that have been knocked over, and, uh, and Charles Grown's like, what is this? And Jeff Bruce's like, well, it wasn't a man in a suit, or something. Yeah. It's just like, guys, don't, don't, okay, guy, yeah. don't, <laughs> don't draw attention to it, <laughs> okay? Let's, we all can see that it's obviously a guy in a suit. Yeah. Let's just move past that. Don't try to be cute, <laughs> you know? Um, but anyways, yeah, that was, that's one of the more sort of labored attempts at like getting the audience in on the joke. (laughs) Um, so now we, we sort of begin a series of scenes with, with Kong and Duan, which I think Kong sort of taps into what I like to refer to as the timeless art of seduction. Yeah. (laughs) This part made me very uncomfortable. (laughs) Tell, tell, tell us your thoughts. Um, <laughs> Please. There's a lot of Kong... There's actually several scenes where they're together where Kong is clearly, like, making eyes at her. Yeah. And I... Like, I don't even know what to make of the situation. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of questions. Yeah. I feel like I... I don't know what I'm allowed to say on the podcast here. <laughs> I mean, you can say anything. I feel like... <laughs> she... Duan... To Kong, she's like if you were holding like a somewhat large hamster in your hand. <laughs> so this is like a my- so you're thinking of this as an of mice and men situation. No. <laughs> my question is logistics about what Kong is planning to do with Duan. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Especially since this has been going on for what one can presume yeah. several millennia. What happened to uh, other girls? Yeah, in right. Did they just like run out of food? Did he yeah. like accidentally kill them <laughs> while seems... trying to show him his lair? Yeah. I, you <laughs> know, we have to assume that he just killed the other girls outright. That's the that's really the least disturbing that, way this yeah. plays yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> 
that's the one that lets me sleep tonight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it is overtly sexual the way Kong yes. looks at her, and John Barry's score is doing nothing to help combat that. If no. anything, it's just like it's like a love scene. I mean, the 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 score that he's composed is like two characters falling in love. So it's very much right yeah. there, where it's like Juan and King Kong are falling in love over the course of these, like, three scenes. Yeah. yeah well, but you do have to remember, this is after Deep Throat, but this is before War Horse and Zoo. Uh, so there was a need... I want you to know that you can continue talking, and I encourage you to do so, to get it out of your system. But whatever else you say will be cut from the final podcast. <laughs> I'm just saying there was a market. I'm sure they were trying to reach, uh, especially people in certain areas so of the country. So we're going to end the podcast a little bit early this week, folks. <laughs> I've been Mike Kelly. It's Nate Bear from Cara Palermo. Thank you for listening. We have to call the police. <laughs> Alright, well, so what happens is, there's a lot of, like, her running away and him picking her back up stuff going on. Yeah. And she gets dirty and he washes her off. Uh, let, hold up. He let, bo- let, let, let's, let's talk, let's not skip over how she gets dirty. She falls into a fucking, like, mud bath. And I'm sure Dino De Laurentiis is just like, yes, have a fall in mud! <laughs> Covered in mud! It is sex! Um, yeah. that was very racist for Italian people. It I'm was. sorry. I'm, I'm never sorry. coming back. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have a demon in me. But yeah, no, it's like, let's throw in a fucking mud, mud wrestling scene in the middle of this, you know? Yeah. Which then then leads into the waterfall sequence. The waterfall sequence. But that, actually, the waterfall sequence is not the weird part. The weird part is afterwards when he blows on her to dry her off. Oh, yes. And then she seems really into it. Super into it. Yeah. yeah. She was uh, well blown. That's exactly correct, Nathan. And I mean, th- these scenes start off with sort of an interesting scene where she physically is hitting Kong in the face. Yeah, and then oh, and, and she's like, "Go ahead and eat me." Wait, no, there. She has a lot of good lines in yeah. this part. She calls him a chauvinist pig. Yeah, which is I don't even understand. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> and then she asks what his astrological sign is. Yeah. Amazing. Dwan's yeah. the best. Dwan is the best. And no, I I, I really like this scene because she's like, well, what do you say? And what do you do with this scene? And she's yeah. just yeah. like, I'm making the best of a bad situation. <laughs> and the you scene know, seems to have a little quiet. tension. There really seems to be a little tension. The, yeah. I mean, there is, and I'll talk a little bit about that later, but it's definitely something is happening to Dwan. <laughs> the more time she spends with Kong, oh, yeah. like it is a something is happening to the specific 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 psychosphere of sensuality around her mind and head. <laughs> it's like a supernatural almost level of horniness that is happening. Uh, but anyway, so like Kong blows on her. And that was especially made Rick Baker face. Actually, okay. Carlo uh, Rebal- That seems really pretty long. It's a very long scene. The score is amazing, by the way. <laughs> um, I, the, the name of that piece of music is like a really beautiful word. I don't remember what it is. But it starts with an A. It's got a lot of syllables. Um, no, it's like Athera or Authorandal or something, but like it's an amazing piece of music. I, I did want to say that Carlo 
uh, Rambaldi, we were sort of giving him the business earlier before about like uh, promising things that maybe he couldn't deliver with the giant robot Kong. But I do want to point out that he did design like the wire work and the inter- internal puppetry working on like the Kong masks. Mm-hmm. And he is, to his credit, he created E.T. and he designed E.T. and executed that in that 1982 movie. So it's not like he's some hack okay. or whatever. And 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 they did they did create a specific blowing mask, and it works yeah. great because like when he's doing it, like his mouth is making shapes that he doesn't make for the rest of the movie. So it does really help sell the illusion that it's not a mask. It's just like oh, he can just do whatever, you yeah. know. And uh, but yeah, like I thought it'd be funny if like just like a banana peel flew into her face. <laughs> 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 But yeah, she was super into it. Yeah. Uh, all the blowing. And it went on for a while. Yeah. She wasn't really getting dry either. No, she was just enjoying herself. She was still herself. wet, but she was getting blown on a lot. I don't know. It was pretty, Comfortably moist. It was pretty great. Um, <laughs> anyways, so there's that scene. And then they cut back to uh, Bridges trying to find Kong. And, you know, there's a couple other scenes where, like, Charles Grodin finds out. The dude from Deep Space Nine comes back and is like, uh, by the way, this oil's garbage. Yeah. You're an Wait, idiot. this is where he is both, like, there's a lot of drinking happening a among everyone drinking. in this movie. Yes. At all times. Yes. And he is both, like, punch drunk and actually drunk in this scene where he's just like, ha it's no good. We wasted our time. We're all yeah, gonna die yeah. here. There's a good chance this actor may actually be drunk. <laughs> um, yeah. I want to say the, the director, John Gillerman... This is, um, it was a, a story from our good friend Jack O'Halloran, who plays one of the, the workers who was killed, tragically, in the log scene. Um, but, like, you know, he played non-Superman, too. Anyways, he said in an interview that uh, John Gillerman was drinking constantly uh, on the set, that the days where he was sober, he was okay to work with, but most of the time he was just super drunk. He said that they worked on a scene... It's a 15-hour day, and they had seven meal violations, and, like, they never actually turned the camera on at any point during the day. So everyone was making, like, insane amounts of overtime, and the crew was basically happy about it, but, like, they they were only supposed to be in Hawaii for three days, and they were there for 33 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, that's awesome. Yeah. Also, at, at one point, like... The crew, and some of the crew members were hardcore alcoholics, and John Gillerman was just, like, like drinking constantly. I'm not sure what he was doing. It's like, maybe PBR or whatever, but he had, like, this cooler full of beer that he had a lock on that he would take from set to set. And f- finally, one day, Jack O'Halloran's like, like, we can't, like, during lunch, we I'm going to get some beer. I'm going to get a few cases of beer for the crew member because they see you drinking all day long. And, like, you know, it's driving everybody crazy. This is Hawaii. It's, like, 120 degrees. You know, you can't, like, let, let's, we're already super behind on schedule. Let's try to keep things up. And John John Gillerman was like, you can't do that, or whatever. So then Jack O'Halloran reminded John Gillerman that his father was, like, connected with the mafia. And uh, then, basically, John Gillerman was like, okay. And so he uh, provided beer for the crew for the rest of the show. <laughs> Jack O'Halloran, American hero, uh, basically, is what I'm trying to say there. Um... So anyways, yes, um, Dwan, Kong takes Dwan up to his, the top of Skull Island, I guess. This is the place where it really does look like hell. 
I mean, it's like like a volcano, just like a bunch of. Smoke. It looks like a Shaw Brothers set. Yeah. Okay, but not as entertaining because Jimmy Wang Yu or Gordon Liu is not, you know. Yeah. Flying through the trees with a you know three section nunchuck. Uh, <laughs> the budget was twenty four million dollars on this movie in nineteen seventy six, and I feel as though they could have done more with the set. Yeah, <laughs> and this creature that Kong fights in this scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first of all, before that, uh, Kong reaches peak levels rapiness with Duan by uh, de topping her. Yeah, he starts. Mm. Kind of ripping off her uh, necklace, necklace, and then top. Yeah, yeah. And he does. He takes down the top. Um, Again, Duan seems yeah totally not totally fighting. Yeah, the situation sort of into it. <laughs> uh, you know, this is like not the... totally against it. Like Fei Ray was screaming the and entire then movie, and then knocked out. Yeah, when Kong starts taking off her clothes, she was right. like unconscious. Right. From just yeah, Ron is like uh, I'm gonna see where this goes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I I do wanted to say just like side note sidebar here, Jessica Wang, she was like I don't know maybe 23 or 24 when she made this movie. This is one of the most courageous performances I have ever seen by any performer or stuntman in a movie because guess what. That's a giant fucking robot hand being controlled by uh, people. And, like, what I'm trying to say, she, she could have been killed at any time. She yeah. could have been crushed at any time. There was there was no safety involved here. Like, you have a giant finger. He's caressing getting, her. Caressing her. And that's a sensitive area on a young lady, okay? And this is, well, I don't know, this thing weighs like two tons, this finger or whatever. And it's like, she, you know, she, Jessica Lange's an amazing actress, so like she's making it look up. But like, that probably really hurt. Yeah. Like, and like, also to say nothing of the fact that she could have been killed in any shot. Like, at any time, like a cable could have been snapped and like could have like crushed her to death. So like... You know, Fei Ray is not in Kong's hand that much in the original one. I mean, if, or if it is, it's like a fake Fei Ray. It's like a puppet or whatever. And, like, they, they keep those shots with, with, like, the Kong hand. I think there's, like, five of them or yeah. whatever. And they're pretty short. This, it's, like, most of the time she's with Kong, she's in his hand. And it was, like, I, am I the only one who felt, like, terrified for Jessica Lange's personal safety? <laughs> yeah, I felt like she could have been crushed. Yeah, definitely. yeah. Very easily at yeah. any time. He's yeah. throwing her around like she, I mean, like a, like a sock puppet. Yeah. You know. Anyways, uh, he takes down her top and things are getting, we're, we're at a point where it's we're like. We're near Barry White levels of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but that gets interrupted. Right. Yeah. We don't know what's about to happen here. <laughs> <laughs> things are going <laughs> to. Yes. Very confusing. Very oh, yeah. things are about to get very confusing for all parties. <laughs> oh involved. my goodness! Uh, and then, luckily, a giant killer snake uh, interrupts the scene, mm-hmm. and um, you know, like Kong immediately starts fighting it in what can only be described as one of the fakest <laughs> kaiju yeah. fights ever. The snake uh, from Conan the Barbarian. Look more realistic. Way more realistic. <laughs> like a hundred times more yeah. realistic. This looked like a prop from like the first version of like the the 
Amazon raft ride from Disneyland and it opened <laughs> in like 1952 or whatever. <laughs> or it was like, you know, there's two, it was just like a metal <laughs> arm with like one axis on the head and it's just like creaks. Uh, I don't know. You could, it does not look good. <laughs> and no. it's like the only other giant monster in the movie other than Kong. And this fight's over pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. he like rips it its head like, off. like, we need Kong to fight, actually fight something. Right. Yeah. And this is one of the only times where he really feels like King Kong in the whole movie. Right? Yeah. Um, so like, actually, okay. Because mind you, by this point in the other Kong, he had killed, what, three, four monsters? Half the island's the, worth of yeah, dinosaurs. Yeah, like, like the, tr- the Tyrannosaurus, the Plesius, the Manda monster, and then a Pterodactyl. Yeah. All right, he had like killed... a ton of action. Yeah. Yeah. Like... And this is all all of that time yeah. when he normally would have been fighting monsters. He spent giving the the thousand yard stare to Dwan. Yeah. So yeah. Um, but he tears it in half. Yeah. yeah he it te- was very gory. Yeah, it was very. Yeah. He, it looked like a like he, a watermelon. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that from from being a kid. Always like loving that scene because like it's so disgusting. Yeah. Like, the noises of it like tearing things like fucking head off or whatever and it's just like that's hardcore um we skipped over the fact that, that we had the log scene oh you know, yeah we yeah. mentioned it before but they had the log scene again it's not as good uh it is notable because uh a character by the name of carnahan who's played by amazing character actor ed lautner or ed lauer who was also in death wish 3 starring bronson <laughs> Uh, gets killed at one point. He was like the the you know the guy who was under the captain. So he was actually a pretty important character. We just didn't really mention him. He does a fine job in this and an even better job in Death Wish Three. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, he is killed uh, in the log scene. So is Jack O'Halloran. So is like this fat guy with a maybe Super Mario. We don't know. He's got the mustache and he falls off. He's got like charges. We don't. I don't think he says anything throughout the whole movie. The only guy who survives is Bo, who's the guy from the first scene in the movie. He's the black guy, and he makes it to the other side. And Jeff Bridges is like, "Go tell him. Yeah. Go tell Charles Grodin what's going on." And I'm going to try to find so, one. So, so counterpointing to this is the fact that Charles Grodin now knows that the petroleum substance on the island is useless. Yeah. So he pr- prematurely said, I got the big one to New York, and he's now sitting on like a billion dollars worth of nothing. Right. right. Uh, essentially. Or sorry, billion gallons worth of nothing. Um, so uh, then he somehow comes up with the Barnum and Bailey idea to just like, no, I'll bring back the big one. Yeah. And he immediately has, you know, uh, what was the company's name? Petrox. Petrox immediately send like... Uh, via airdrop, uh, <laughs> like gallons of chloroform, <laughs> yes. and uh, you know enough equipment specifically for capturing you know a giant ape. This extremely uh, <laughs> complex plan immediately pops into his head, and he's just like, "Maybe I will give them the big one." All right, give me an airdrop with forty thousand pounds of chloroform, and I'll do nets and cranes and this and that, and it's just like. Maybe this guy was a genius businessman. It's yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, what he can think career on the, he can film. think on the fly. I mean, that's I yeah. guess uh, commendable. Yes. Um. Anyways, Bridges 
Bridges. Jack Prescott. <laughs> His name is Jack Prescott, which he pronounces in an almost comedic fashion in the first series. Like, my name is Jack Prescott. I was like, all right, Bridges, let's settle this sober up, buddy. Um, Bridges, uh, he rescues the topless Jessica Lang from the snake uh, while Kong is, like, fighting uh, the snake. And, like, but it was pretty great because they show Kong, like, flip over and, like, he gives Jeff Bridges the eye. He's like, you're, you're zeroing in on my woman or whatever. And it's, like, definitely communicates that in a gorilla face. <coughs> and um, then... Basically, Jeff Bridges and Jessica Lange, they wait until Kong kills the snake and gets up and collects his second wind, and they're like, okay, now let's run away. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like they do jump off of the thing, like the, the, the cliff again, into the water. Yeah. Um, which is in keeping from the first movie. Right. Um, and I guess that buys them enough time. Although, if they could survive it, why couldn't Kong just jump off the same cliff into yeah. the same water? Unclear. I mean, can, can he, can, I guess he can't. No, he can swim. They showed him swim. swimming. Yeah, yeah. A, this is the first Kong movie with, with, the, with the, the swimming sequence, aside from the Toho pictures. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, yeah. they Basically, it's a series of shots coming back between, like, Jeff Bridges and Jessica Lange running and Kong running. And you'd think that since Kong's legs are so much bigger than theirs, he'd catch up with them. But I guess they're just running really fast. Yeah. Um... Yes, the script said so. <laughs> yes. And then meanwhile, they're building this trap. Yes. yes. Um, and somehow they, they know that Kong's being led back to yeah, them. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so somehow they assume that Kong well, well, will well, have to well, come yeah, back. yeah, I mean, Bo comes back and he, he tells Charles Grodin what's up. So they're sort of expecting Jeff Bridges to come back at some point, maybe, if he's still alive. Mm-hmm. But this brings us to the, I think... Maybe Lorenzo Semple's sort of misunderstanding of the the type of information that can be ascertained from a radar, because I don't know what type of radar they have on this ship, mm-hmm. but it is like they are getting measurements and things from this radar that are not possible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, it's the I'm pretty sure the same clip every time they look at the radar, and they're like he's moving, but it doesn't show him moving. Yeah. First of all, whenever this radar, like, the radius goes around, it makes a perfect, like, cartoon picture yeah. of the island. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then, I guess they they have Kong's movement is, like, a red dot on it. Which, yeah. by the way, when the natives came to, like, kidnap Duan, it was also the same red dot. So, mm. that is confusing to me. Yeah. Uh, also, again, it's just cartoon picture of an island, red dot. And the amount of information that this guy reading the radar says to Charles Grodin, he's like, okay, Kong is hitting 17 degrees by 85 degrees north. He's approximately five minutes away in monkey time. He's moving 22 he's, miles he's per running, hour. Yeah, he's going 22 <laughs> miles an hour. I think his left leg might be injured uh, because he's dragging it slightly to the left. It's like, you can't tell that from this radar image. That is insane. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, Jeff Bridges, Edwan, and this, you know, and this part sort of struck me as crazy in the original King Kong as well. It's like, because th- this expedition to find uh, Fei Ray and then Duan has gone on for, like, at least two days. Mm-hmm. And they run back to the wall in, like, 20 minutes, and they look very tired, <laughs> yeah. but, like, 
again, they must have been running very fast, and maybe he just hit some shortcuts or something. Yeah. Hitched a ride on yeah. something. Pterodactyl. Pterodactyl, exactly. But anyways, they're back at the wall. They come through. Kong is in tow. He sees Charles Grodin, immediately hates him, tries to kill him. Uh, but Charles Grodin ducks down. Kong now has a reason to get through the wall, and he breaks it down. And I really like the sound design in this scene. Mm. And the, the editing is great, too. The cutting back between Kong hitting the wall and them, their reaction to it. And, I, you know, this scene, everything else is a little silly in this movie, but I, God damn it, this scene still holds up. And it's, like, one of my favorite, like, depictions of this scene. I think it's better than the Peter Jackson one. I, th- I don't think it's as good as the 1933 one where he breaks mm. through that because that is such an amazing image. But, like, they still did a very good job with this. Um, and, I mean, the movie was nominated for an Academy Award for special effect or for sound effects design. Mm-hmm. It won for special effects, but it was also nominated for sound effects. And the sound design is great, especially you get Kong hitting the wall, which he does a lot of times. Breaks through. Grodin releases the chloroform. It's a giant pit. Kong falls through it. Hard cut to their back on the boat, which is, so far as I can tell, the only like original addition to the story that was not in the 1933 one, unless I'm missing something. But like actually showing them on the ship going back from the island to New York. Yes. They didn't show that it not, at all. Yeah. They just said, you know, we're millionaires, boys. Right. I'll share it with all of you. Yeah. And then, you know, hard cut New York. So, you know. We're getting closer to, like, showing the logistical journey of removing Kong from the island. I still say it would have been very difficult to get that monkey out of that hole. Yeah. yeah. They also, and onto the ship. They also, the ship seems to grow in size now that King Kong it suddenly can fit yeah, a giant... Yeah, I that giant room. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess in the 30s version it's understood that since Kong killed half the crew, they right. now had plenty of room exactly. to fit Kong. And they could just, you know, throw in a gas bomb and every time he got, you know, yeah. cranky. Uh yeah, I like that they de-emphasized the little gas bomb this time, and they're just yeah. like, yeah, it's just a shitload of chloroform. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they didn't know if that would kill him. Like, they didn't know if that was so much chloroform that it would kill him. They were just like, yeah, this will probably knock him out. Yeah. So you, you cut to, like, Bridges and Charles Grodin and Jessica Lang all sort of talking about what's going on. Charles Grodin's like, it's great. It's all set. The contracts have been drawn up. It's good. We're going to go. We're going to start in New York. Then we're going to go to Florida and Los Angeles. And he keeps, he's naming off all these cities. He's like, we'll do the Beauty and the Beast bit. It'll be great. And Jeff Bridges is just like, this is a grotesque farce. Um, you know, like, we've, we, we've stolen the god of these people. We've kidnapped th- this island's god. And he's like, a year from now, the, the, it'll be an island full of burnout drunks. You know, and like they've stolen the magic from their lives, which I thought was like a really kind of cool. Because like, what the fuck is going to happen to Skull yeah. Island? Well, there's well I think their economy must thrive because now they no longer have to sacrifice their women to <laughs> a giant monkey. It's like, oh, we can actually procreate no, and live no, our lives. No, there's going to be a surplus of women. It's yeah, so yeah. Nice. yeah. there's going to be a surplus of women, right? <laughs> no, but there's a scene when when he kind of like 
Kong is passed out because of the chloroform, and all the native people kind of like lie down. It's kind of sad. Yeah, and <laughs> and there's some stuff going on there, you know, like, um, and and you know, Jessica Lang sort of says, well, you know, he was nice to me and stuff, and Charles Grodin just keeps insisting that he tried to rape her, and he's like, he tried yeah, to rape you, yeah. very like weird layers, yeah, like. Yeah, that's like, and he that did not witness any like, anything, anything. <laughs> right. So right. I was just like, where did he get this idea? Yeah, like it's just like, I, I don't know. Yeah, it got things got very zoo. That's um, <laughs> so basically, um, Bridges is like, I don't. It's going to be a grotesque farce. I don't want any part of it or whatever, and. and but Dawn's kind of like, I'm going to be a star. Dawn's like, yeah. but I wanted to be rich. Yeah, and right. she gets on which Charles is... Grodin's side, and it's just like, join us. Please, join yeah. us. Which is a much more interesting choice than just having being Dawn be like, no, I won't do it, or whatever. Yeah. She's yeah. like, no, I want to get paid. Right. You know, which is very like, <laughs> yeah. Why I was on that yacht. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm getting paid somehow. <laughs> so there's the conflict is still there. So it's like, okay, there's still something going on. There's a scene where, once again, Jeff Bridges almost has sex with Jessica Lange. But then she's like, she's called to Kong. Well, Kong starts getting like super horny and he's like <laughs> pounding on the walls, which is by far the funniest scene in the movie. Because it's like, imagine, you know, they show a guy on his bunk, like reading a book or whatever. And like all of a sudden, like a giant fist size, like lump just forms in the wall. And the guy's like, hey, and he just falls off. And it's just like, can you imagine like, uh... Bill, you get this book. Well, what's on the other side? Oh, King Kong is, is in a room. <laughs> and he's super now. pissed, but it's going to be fine. We fed him a whole bunch of bananas. <laughs> and I, that's probably going to take care of it or whatever. But Kong almost, like, destroys the ship. Their terrible plan was almost undone from the get-go. But then Jessica Lang, And at this point, Duan is acting weird and sort of suicidal because she yeah. kind of comes out on this thing although maybe she's she actually does save the ship because like kong i feel would, was getting ready to sink the ship from within like, yeah and they were planning on killing on, him on killing him yeah like, like drought flooding yeah, that flooding the, the, the yeah the hold or whatever so like she gets up on this lattice work this metal lattice work which looks like it's about two miles above kong this this yeah seems Bigger than like Shea Stadium, right? <laughs> it's enormous. Um, and Kong like sees her and like jumps up and she gets knocked off of this thing. And Kong catches her and sort of and it's a really weird like he, he just sort of looks at her and he can smell her and he just sort of like sets her down on his like thigh and then she kind of comes off and she just sort of walks away and he and then he's just sort of like. Eh. Like depressed and like quiet, and then that's it. And then he just yeah. goes to sleep, and he's yeah. like, but he's like weirdly like looking at her the whole time, and you're just like, I'm not comfortable with this. <laughs> and then the weirdest well, part of the scene, he was just nice. Yeah, he was just like he just wanted. Kong to is a very nice guy. He really, he just wanted <laughs> nice to see guy. her again. Yeah. And then my favorite part of the scene, and definitely the weirdest part, is when Jeff Bridges is like, "Oh my God, that was insane!" He like tries to comfort, her, and she is in a trance. She's like. <laughs> The raw sexual power coming off of a being as big as Kong has put her in a trance. I mean, am I the only one who saw this? She's no, like, yeah, it's really weird. But the weirdest, I thought the weirdest 
line in this movie is in, I can't remember if it's before or after she falls in, but Jeff Bridges says to her, the ape had the right idea, and then tries to lead her into his bedroom. That is so creepy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I did not, I guess I, I did not catch that, catch that line. It's really creepy. <laughs> Yeah, that's given the circumstances and yeah. the fact that people have been killed. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's in poor taste. <laughs> yeah. Seems like it, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, remember, Jeff Bridges cares more about that ape than, I, I mean, New York City itself, as yeah. we find out at the end of this film. <laughs> or is oh. it New York, or is it Ghost Purgatory New York, as we will get <laughs> it's into? John Carpenter's it's, New yeah, York. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so... Cut to opening night, like fireworks, parade. We're at Shea Stadium, uh, outside of, of, directly outside of Manhattan. And um, they are getting ready for the big night. It is revealed that Jack Prescott did, indeed did not go along with it. Um, he's not part of the show. Um, but he comes up to wish Dwan a, a good luck and, and give her one last chance to turn it down and walk away from it, which would be... Very smart of her to do, but also very stupid from a career standpoint. So she yeah. again, she's like, "No, I'm obviously doing this." Yeah. You know? And um, I thought that was a little unfair of him. In a that, way. Yeah, yeah. That was, and he was sort of being a dick yeah. there. So like, you know. But anyways, Charles Grodin, you know, kind of is like, we'll "See you later, Jack," or whatever. And like, and then they have this very, very strange scene. <laughs> Where the they have the show, what the show is, and which is sort of a kind of recreation of Dwan's sacrifice on the island yeah. in the, yeah. of the stadium, and like these giant doors with a star on it, and they open up, and a giant gas tank comes out, <laughs> like a Petrox gas tank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, because the whole thing was is that um, put a tiger in your tank was Exxon, and yeah. he's thinking like, right, oh, right. this will be even bigger than that. Right. This is how we'll get us, you know, back on the map or whatever. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, maybe this had already started by then, but it's kind of like the corporate sponsorship of all our events and stuff. This yeah. is like maybe the early, that's <laughs> yeah, starting yeah. to happen. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And like... There's that, and, like, when Kong starts to break free, because all the, of course, like, they reveal the thing. And this is the only time, by the way, in the movie that you see the full Carlo uh, Rimbaldi, like, Mecha Kong. Uh, like, the robot yeah. Kong. Like, the full-size robot Kong. And it looks like trash. Yeah. Like, even from <laughs> yeah. a distance. It is, it is shockingly, like, distractingly bad. Yeah. And, and... They they only show the full thing for I'm going to say less than five seconds <laughs> of screen time, and they worked on this thing for months. <laughs> it's like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, I want to make this clear: insanely complicated. Uh, less than five seconds of screen time. And in fact, when they cut to it and then they cut back to Rick, Rick Baker, you feel as though Rick Baker in the monkey suit has to compensate for how shitty this thing is by looking slightly robotic for a little bit and then snapping out of it. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you guys pick up on that at all? Maybe I was just watching it very intently. I mean, like... it, did, it did seem like um, there was a difference between the two. Yeah. yeah. You know, Something definitely between. Weird is and that's why they yeah. had to do the, the, the real large Kong from far away just to kind right. of blend kind of, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And, you know, for shooting purposes, it does allow you to get a good sense of the geography of the layout and without having to do a cutaway or whatever. But then immediately Kong gets angry because, like, a bunch of photographers very foolishly come up to Dwan and, like, are like, hey, ah, you know, like, grabbing onto her, yeah. like, shaking her. And it's just like, it's you idiots. Crazy. Terrible security. <laughs> yeah. Horrible security. Like, no security at all. I do want to say that Charles Grodin says, All hail the power of Kong and Petrox. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's almost under his breath, like people won't, like, you know, notice what he's saying. That was like, that that was like a Bruce Campbell yeah, line. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> it was amazing. Grodin's on fire. I love that man. Um, anyways... So yeah, and then Kong starts breaking free, and uh, well, this is where there's a lot of those lines where he's like, "Don't worry, this is an escape-proof cage," and they immediately escapes, and he's like, "Don't worry, his feet are still whatever." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he says, which is an amazing comment about New York at the time. He's like, "Don't worry, that cage is inescapable. It's been inspected by the New York City yeah. government," and everyone sort of looks at each other. And to to paint a picture for people, New York was not the greatest place in 1976. Their subway system had fallen into complete disrepair. The crime rate was skyrocketing. Like, it allowed for a movie like Escape from New York to be made, like, four years later. Yeah. <laughs> and seen Cameron doing the map possible. So, like, yeah, like, it's, and seen possible. It seemed like, well, yeah, fuck it. You know, by 1998, this is what's going to be happening or whatever. So, like... You know that was a, that was a very funny joke because of course Kong immediately just completely destroys the cage, and then breaks out, and uh, yeah, I mean steps on like thirty people, mm-hmm. and I found those scenes to be very upsetting <laughs> because they go to they they switch to like an overhead shot of Kong walking through the crowd, and you can see the groups of people. That he's stepping on. Like, each foot is, is stepping on, like, three or four people. And yeah. they're still alive. Yeah. But they're dying. Yeah. <laughs> you imagine they're making noises, like, <laughs> or something. Like, it's upsetting. <laughs> uh, and very specific in a movie that, up until this point, has been pretty toothless. Uh, and then Charles Grodin trips he's trying to run away and kong zeroes in on him he looks Mm -hmm. very angry and steps on him and and murders charles groden Mm -hmm. which is uh in a way i think cleaner uh like taking like just killing the carl denham character right here in the story because like as we could see in son of kong there's really nothing left to do with that character yeah you know so like maybe like, this is one change to the story that I'm like, I'm definitely okay with. Yeah, it's like, and it and it brings the stakes up a little bit more and be like, oh, okay, no one's safe. And like, yeah, I I don't know. What do you guys think of that? I mean, it, it, it felt anticlimactic. I don't know. I mean, like I said, this whole film, I couldn't really feel too much. So it's just like, okay, now he's dead. What's yeah, next? Yeah, I felt like it was a little anticlimactic. So, yeah. I mean, but then again, most of this movie was anticlimactic, so it was just another in a series of just like, well, that happened. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh... But I guess, I mean, he wasn't that evil. Does he deserve... I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he seems less evil than Carl Denham, and yeah. he dies. It, he dies. Yeah. You know? So, like, that's where we're at there. Um, 
I mean, he was trying to get people paid. You know, yeah, yeah. Carl Denham tried to get uh, a boat to take him to an island for a treasure without paying and or feeding the yeah. crew. I mean, like we said last time, when they mutinied, it's like, yeah, I would mutiny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm with Red. <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, they Jeff Bridges and Jessica Lange get on a subway car, Kong, using super his super sense of smell. Uh, finds Jessica Lang in New York. Yeah. <laughs> and he finds a specific subway car they're on, but Bridges manages to escape. This is a real 70s New York looking yeah. subway car, too. Yeah. It's got the graffiti and everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there's another young lady wearing the same dress as Jessica another Lang. Blonde. Yeah. And uh, this is reminiscent of, of the much better and more horrifying scene. <laughs> Where in the 30s version, where Kong picks up a woman, and re- after realizing it's not Fei Ray, drops her to her death. Right. You know. And and this still happens here. I mean, he she but her. she just kind he of flings her, drops her. Yeah. I mean, she's still. I can say with a good amount of confidence that she is dead. Yeah. And then, for good measure, he drops the subway car, which immediately like a McBain movie yeah. from The Simpsons, just explodes like fucking a giant gas station. Yeah. Like a giant gas yeah. tanker just goes up like, you know, Fury Road style. <laughs> it's like, oh, I guess that was the subway car where they were also, you know, transferring the dynamite. Uh, but uh, I'm not going to complain about large explosions. But uh, it was pretty great. Yeah. And then a guy riding a motorcycle uh, like sees this and he... Wipes out on the motorcycle, understandably so. Somewhat less understandably so, he abandons the motorcycle, thinking that he can run away faster than simply picking up the motorcycle. (laughs) Which still works. Which still works fine, and riding off in the opposite direction. I'm not sure if he's clear on how uh, motorcycles work. But luckily, Jeff Bridges and Jessica Lange, they grab the motorcycle and they go off cross the bridge into the island of Manhattan, which is a fucking ghost town. Yeah. Well, I thought it was just like, everyone knows something bad's happening. Yeah. They've left. Well, yeah. I, I think there was like an announcement, like, everyone get to the shelters or something like that. Yeah, there was. That. So. But um, still, you know how yeah. many people there are in New York? A lot. Like, even <laughs> like in, everyone? Even in 98's Godzilla, they at least allude to the fact that it's a massive project to evacuate everyone from Manhattan. Right. Looting and all these other things. Yeah, have I mean that announcement happened. happens like five minutes before. They yeah, get yeah. There. It's and like there's no one around. There is no one around. There is one priest in the island of Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, in, in a church. Peeks out the door. And like he, I guess he didn't hear the announcement or whatever. But like. All the restaurants are abandoned. Mm-hmm. Like, Jeff Bridges goes into this place and just immediately starts making drinks or whatever. Wait, oh, wait. yeah, because Jessica because... Lang is just like, oh, yeah, give me a drink. Yeah, yeah she's like, let's drink. stop for a drink. Well, this is like the final Dwanism, yeah, though. Yeah. I, sort, I sort of like it. <laughs> me yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great, because it's like, that's so weird. Why would you want to do that now? Oh, Jeff Dwan. Bridges is like, I'm not sure that's a great idea. And she's like, no, no, it's, we're good now. <laughs> we're good. Everything's fine. Everything's yeah. going to be fine. And I really need a drink. Yeah. And I, I understand no why she would need a drink. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's had a lot of confusing <laughs> emotional things happen. <laughs> In the last, she, what? She's been the victim of, of a kidnapping, being drugged in a weird native ceremony, and having powerful amounts of super monkey sexual tension yeah. energy swimming around her head. 
Plus, dealing with Jeff Bridges' beard and Charles <laughs> Grodin's mustache must be very confusing. And a sleazy movie producer friend showing all of her friends deep throat. This has been a very weird two weeks. Dwan. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. She wants a drink. She wants to drink hard liquor. And yep. luckily, again, Manhattan abandoned. Zero yeah. people there. Um, and uh, so Bridges takes this opportunity thinking, well, they're inside of a building and Kong is not even on the island of Manhattan. And he notices. Call the mayor. Well, he notices the World Trade Center. Yes. And he's just like, oh, why does that look so familiar? I can't do it. <laughs> Jeff that Bridges is nothing like what Jeff Bridges sounds like. <laughs> that in is this just movie. like. It's a just terrible like, Jeff Bridges. Why does that look so familiar? And um, it's because it looks just like the. The not skull mountain, yeah. That King Kong, yeah, uh, yeah. But he's like primates can't swim, so yeah, we're yeah. gonna be fine. We're gonna yeah. be fine. And then that immediately hard cuts to well, Kong well, swimming. <laughs> yeah, Kong swimming, avoiding the national guard. It seems like a very smart Kong because he's avoiding helicopters as well because he can perceive them as a threat. <laughs> so he seems confused, but he's smart enough to have the presence of mind to like avoid the military and or police contact. Um, to the best of his ability, seeing as he is a giant monster. Um, Bridges calls the mayor, and he's like, I know where Kong is headed, and we will make a deal so that you do not hurt him. Yeah. And it's like, Bridges, let it go. He's slaughtering people. <laughs> yeah, like, just, like, just fucking bring him down. Yeah. You know, like, kill him. Yes. He has to die. You know, like, let go of your yeah. fucking hippy-dippy bullshit <laughs> and blow him in half, all right? And end it. It's a very sad thing. But, like, you know, it's over, all right? Groden is dead, all right? Uh, so, anyways, yeah, and while Jeff Bridges is making that that phone call, um, the we, we, uh, Kong's hand just magically appears through the door. Yeah, like, quietly. <laughs> quietly. That was like actually stealthily. the most, oddly enough, the most terrifying scene was just seeing his face through a window. Yeah. Like, yes. we've seen that same shot yeah. a dozen times in this film, but somehow just seeing it through a window makes it hella creepy. Yeah. Uh, that scene was just insane. Like, just like, uh, it's Kong's hand is silent, you know, and just like, and you don't hear him walk an up. SBD. It's SBD. And like, I assume he just found Dwan through smell again. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, there Dawn is no explanation. Dawn was to escape, even though it would have been pretty easy. Yeah, like, all she had to do was go further into the building. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure Kong, well, maybe he would have destroyed the building and killed everyone in it, which I guess is just Jeff Bridges. But, like, <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> like, such a strange scene. But, again, completely necessary to have the end of the movie happen. So it was, it was yeah. another one of those scenes where it's like, well, this is happening now. This has to happen now. <laughs> you know, like, um... So she's re-kidnapped, and uh, Kong heads to the World Trade Center and proceeds to climb up one of the towers. Yeah. And um, Jeff Bridges Jeff Bridges takes the elevator. He rides a bike. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess he lost the motorcycle, or maybe Kong kicked it or something, but he found a bike, and he rides up, and he's like, he yells up to Dwan, who is on Kong's shoulders, like, they said they're going to hit him with nets, you know, trying yeah. to run away from him or whatever. Like, oh, and it, it should Kong be noted. is like half a mile up the tower at it, this point. It's like, they briefly mentioned earlier that I believe Duan has like vertigo. Right. Yeah, she mentioned, she he tells Kong. Close, yeah. He says, close your eyes. Yeah. yeah. 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's a terrible place to go if you yeah. have vertigo. So, anyways, I feel like it's very naive of Jeff Bridges to think that it's going to capture. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's absolutely. Like, it's like what? you know they're going to slaughter him. Yeah. Right? It's just like, and again, rightly so. Like you know, I feel bad about it too, but he must be killed. Yeah. Um. So he goes to the top of one of the towers and. These asshole flamethrower military guys, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah, well, even the general wrong. is like, did they not get my orders yeah. or something yeah. like that? So. Wait, but before that, there's a, another somewhat long scene of <laughs> Kong making faces at Duan. Uh, oh, yeah. That, feel, uh. that felt like, like we're going to do this this time. <laughs> I brought you up on the top of the roof. This, this, the moon is out. The moon this is, is out. really romantic. <laughs> you know... And yeah. this is this is happening this time. You, you stood me up three times. <laughs> so yeah, uh-huh. again, and then the flamethrower guys interrupt. Yeah, and um, start flamethrowering Kong, uh, and he jumps from one tower to the other, which is like what probably the only time in the movie that actually features a, a bit of high adventure yeah <laughs> the rest Literally of the movie is this adventure. sort of melancholy slog or like tragic at a reflection of 70s guilt or something i don't know what the fuck's going on in this movie but like that part is like yeah uh really cool and um and then kong throws like a chair or something or like a picnic table at the flamethrower guys and like whatever and then he throws like a giant gas tank and then yeah it was conveniently <laughs> was on the top conveniently <laughs> there and then blow up but then jeff bridges seems really happy about that yeah he's yeah. yeah. at an angle where he could not possibly see what's yeah. going on and he's just the like way. screaming there like i mean he looks like a you know like not a bag lady but a bag man he's yeah. just like yes yes, yes. <laughs> he looks like his character from the seventh son except <laughs> Younger. I mean, it's full, like, Dr. Zayas mood. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. So much face. He's got, like, six pounds of hair on his head in this movie. Um, but he's very excited about this event that he could not have possibly witnessed <laughs> from the angle that he's in. Because, again, he is uh, he's in the same building that on the top of the building, the flamethrower guy... I guess he saw the, the reflection through the window yeah, yeah. somehow. And he surmised that people were, like, on and that Kong was attacking them and not just the building in general. We don't know yet. <laughs> anyway, we'll never know. Uh, so then, yes, the helicopters show up with miniguns mm-hmm. and um, slaughter King Kong. Yeah, and it's he knows heartbreaking. It's yeah. And he sets Duan down. Mm-hmm. It was very sad. Very touching. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's like... Much more so than the 1933 one, this Kong is really absolutely a victim of circumstance and just like basically a nice guy, I think. And uh, well, maybe, nice guy in the dating sense. In the dating <laughs> sense, and he's been very respectful to Duan up until this point. Barely. And and he rescued her from a giant snake, and mm-hmm. you know he's just sort of a shy guy. And then this shit happens, and it's very upsetting. Again, very bloody. Yeah. Super graphically violent. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is like Paul Verhoeven wrote, like, <laughs> yeah. when Alex Murphy gets murdered in Roto- Robocop, and they just have those shots of just, like, like Murphy's face from, like, shot down from a low angle and, like, blood just erupting outwards and just be like, Wah! you know, like, I mean, Kong takes out, I think, two helicopters or whatever, but they still get him. 
and Guan sort of kind of comes up to Kong. Kong lays down on top of one of the towers and he falls off. Like she comes up to pet him or whatever or touch him one last time and he just sort of rolls off. And then you have the special effects shot where the picture of Kong isn't on there for the first part of the shot. <laughs> like the first, say, seven frames, he's not there. And then he magically appears on screen and then kind of falls forward. Yeah. <laughs> His head doesn't explode as yeah. it would in real life. Yeah. Anyone who's seen photos of people uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's jumped off yeah, buildings and roast, car. roast beef, yeah. okay? It's not... You, you, there's no... Yeah. There are no structures that are intact in the body. Uh, but... And then Duan... Uh, Yuga teleports down to Kong yeah. on the yeah. ground uh, a la Dulcim and Street Fighter 2 <laughs> and uh, and Kong's heartbeat very slowly stops. As the reporters swarm him. Yeah. And Kong they respectfully wait for her to yes. go over to him. Yeah, and but then, they stay on top of him when his, he's still breathing. I thought that yeah. was upsetting. And then the mayor like grabs her and right. takes photo and shoots. Bridges like wants to talk to her, but he yeah. can't get through to her because there's too many paparazzi, and Is, she's just wait, like, "I want to talk about this." Like, I feel like he could have though. He just kind of stands. Like he tries yeah. to, and then he just he doesn't. Stands he's there. not really trying too hard there. No, yeah. no. the beard is holding him again. Back. Another like I wasn't weird sure choice of like, is he, is is he, he just mad really upset? at her? I'm... Is he upset? Yeah, because she's clearly upset. You'd think he'd want to go. Yeah, like yeah. she's calling for him. Yeah, and then although their romance, I don't think is. Gonna last. I don't well, think any that, of the maybe King Kong believable. was a metaphor for their romance as well. It's just like she's. It's like they just her, never get together. Yeah. Well, yeah. none of her. I mean, clearly, I mean, her boyfriend producer gets blown up. King Kong dies, and Jeff Bridges is you know, too like, much of a wimp. Yeah. To you know break through the crowd. You know. I mean, Adrian did it in Rocky. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah. I don't. It's 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 weird, and and then it pulls back, and there's this insane credit that gives. 100% of the credit for Kong's visual representation in the movie to Carlo Carlo uh, Rambaldi. Yeah, not and even that's like... just not true. It says like special contributions by right. Rick Baker it's at the very like last normal, part. It's not a normal credit. It's before yeah. the credits. It's like the production would really like to thank this yeah. guy specifically. He's a great guy. Yeah. You know, if you see him around town, buy him a beer. <laughs> he nailed it on this one. 100% guys. Oh, and there was this asshole Rick Baker who maybe showed up and saved the entire movie with the with the Kong suit, um, but we don't know much about him. But Carlo, he's great. <laughs> that's basically what this credit says. Uh, so that's not true. <laughs> um, and then yeah, the uh, John Barry score swells, and we're into credits, and that's Thank Kong seventy six. Yeah, two hours and 14 motherfucking minutes, That's very as long. I wrote down in my notes. Very uh, long. Like, the first one was, what, an hour and 33? Hour? Something like something that. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Like, cut out the was like, you know... 69 60, minutes. Yeah, some like 60, 70. 61 minutes long yeah. or whatever. It's barely Like, I enjoyed watching it, but it felt long. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it was needlessly long. And again, weirdly unique movie, where it's like... Basically an adventure movie, but the action really kind of only happens at the end when he's in New York, mm-hmm. and it's more sort of a and that's of, like the last thirty minutes. Yeah, of the movie. sort of melancholy, romantic, weird, unfulfillable, impossible love story. Yeah, um, 
Where no one and everyone is to blame. <laughs> yeah. And it's not... I don't know. It, I have issues with remakes. Uh, and in certain cases, it's because some films really just work in their time. And it's really... 1933 was really the only time I truly believed King Kong could work. I agree 100%. Just the right amount of special effects, the right amount of story... And there are just so many aspects of it that really only work in 1933. Well, you look at all the crazy hoops they have to jump through to justify finding Skull Island in 1976. Yeah. And we didn't really talk about that at all, but Charles Grodin has this presentation at the beginning of the movie where he's like, well, here's a picture of a fog bank from 1944. And then here's a picture from the same position taken two weeks ago, and the fog bank's still there. And then we have this infrared satellite from NASA and all this shit. And here's... Basically saying, like, here's the reason why there's an island that is still uncharted in 1976. Mm-hmm. And, but the re- those reasonings are so elaborate and crazy that it's like, you know, again, I, and I said this, in, you know, in the King Kong episode, that it's like, yes, 1933 was absolutely, if not slightly over, the cutoff of where you could get away with having a movie being like, oh, yeah. There's an island out there with dinosaurs yeah. on it, maybe. And you do have to remember, like, Indonesia, you know, itself is uh, uh, an island nation. And back then it was the Dutch East Indies. But they're, you know, in that part of the world, you know, um, there were, for example, uh, Japanese soldiers. Uh, in fact, one of the last of them was on an island uh, or uh, a part of Indonesia which had, you know, no one really lived. So, like, no one could catch up with this guy because he was in, like, an uninhabitable area. This guy still thought World War II was going on yeah. in the 70s? Yeah. There were several people like that. One in the Philippines, one in Indonesia, Excellent. and I think one was, like, on another, like, island out in the middle of nowhere. So, um, you can kind of believe that, but with, you know, after, you know... I don't know, the first King Kong, you know, like you mentioned, like just way too many hoops to, or hurdles to go through. Right. Um, so, I don't know. Um, um, I would recommend it to kaiju fans and just and completionists. And, uh, I mean, the score is amazing. And if you want to see what Jeff Bridges looked like <laughs> in 1976, mm-hmm. And what the star of American Horror Story, Jessica Lange, looked like in 1976. Super hot. Super hot and barely clothed. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, Charles Grodin pre-Beethoven's second. Beethoven's <laughs> first. <laughs> but post-Rosemary's Baby. Uh, he was in on it. Everyone was in on it. <laughs> Spoiler alert, Rosemary's Baby. Anyways. Um, <laughs> Hail Satan. <laughs> Hail Satan. Um, yeah. Um, it's definitely a movie of his time, and not for all times, but yeah. for, for his time. <laughs> for his <laughs> it's, time. it's not timeless. Like the thirty-three yeah. one is timeless, yeah. and I think people will be watching it, yeah. like as long as they watch movies. This one, is, yeah. uh, it's a little weird, <laughs> um, but again, insanely successful, and the and specifically the television rights were so successful that De Laurentiis had no choice. But to make the very illy calculated King Kong Lives in 1986 or 87, whichever it was, that was the entire reason why he made a sequel to King Kong was was the TV rights were so 
like profitable from this movie. So like it made a shitload of money. We'll talk about King Kong Lives next time. That's uh, takes it to a whole new level of lunacy. <laughs> um, but yeah, for now, <clears throat> we mentioned briefly that um, there there have been just sort of, sort of general Godzilla news for everybody. First of all, we've received a story that the the Toho remake, the Toho 2016 Godzilla, is going to be is, the name is going to be Shin Godzilla. Um, I'm, I'm just receiving this today. Um, I'm not sure if that is correct. New Godzilla, I believe, because uh, Shin Toho was New Toho, so I believe Shin Godzilla would be like New Godzilla. Okay, there we go. I, I could be wrong. That could be that... wrong. Normally, we don't uh, partake in gossip and or un, you know, unconfirmed stories, but some of this stuff seems so specific to what we are talking about, specifically with the King Kong movies, that we feel remiss in our duties to not report it, and that is... As we mentioned before, uh, Legendary Pictures is now moving away from Universal and to Warner Brothers. And what that means is, what they have announced, obviously there is a new Kong movie in the works. Kong of Skull Island, which has some pretty interesting people on board. Unfortunately, Michael Keaton is no longer attached. So I'm not as excited about it now. (laughs) But it takes place during the 70s. It's in the mid-70s is when it takes place. So, And essentially... So what is being laid out here by various producers in various sort of vague tweets and how information is, is uh, you know, disassembled uh, nowadays is that they want to do this Kong, then Godzilla 2, like the sequel to Gareth Evans, Gareth Edwards, Edwards. Gareth Edwards Godzilla from 2014, Godzilla 2 to that, then have a remake of King Kong versus Godzilla. It'd be like the third movie in that series. Mm. So King Kong, definitely still relevant. <laughs> they're, may, they're working on a King Kong movie, a new King Kong movie right now. So I think we're hitting this just at the right time. Mm. Um, but yeah. Um, well, any Anything to plug? Nate or, or Kara, anything you want to say to uh, to our valued... Listeners, wrapping things up. No, thanks for inviting me on the podcast. Well, you were amazing, yeah. and come back anytime, thanks. please. Yeah. <laughs> I will make many more Kuiperinians uh, for it's you. That's all I require is alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very, it's a sensible thing to require. <laughs> um, okay, well, you've been listening to the Godzilla Pod War Hour, King Kong 1976 episode. Uh, my name is Michael Kelly. Uh, Nathan Bear is always uh, here with us. Everyone uh, <laughs> You know, and Cara Palermo uh, has been our uh, fabulous uh, guest host today. Thank you very much, Cara. Um, we are on Facebook uh, at the Godzilla Pod War Hour. We are on Twitter at Michael Kelly at Godzilla Pod War. Um, we are on iTunes. Uh, all of our episodes still for free. Subscribe to us. Comment on what's going on. You know, give us a star rating. If you think it's one star, that's fine. We want to hear about it, you know. Tell us why you think we suck. That's great. Yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah, interact with us. We'll get back to you. Um, and, of course, it all comes from Podbean. And that's uh, that's where we're based off of. But fed out to iTunes as well. Um, and 
we're keeping it going. We've got a few more Kong movies to get through and a couple other things that we uh, have on the burner. And uh, yeah, more monkey business to get through <laughs> before we're all said and done. <laughs>